greetings and welcome, all you commanders, eagles, and angels. We welcome you to Tara and Rama's Hard News on Friday nights on BBS Radio, Radio Station One. So greetings, welcome. We're grateful that you're joining us here tonight. This is Rainbird, and I'd like to just begin the program tonight by going into that heart space. So we'll hear from the calling drum and uh, take a few gentle breaths. Breathe in through your nose, out through your mouth. Let go of that drop today. And as we go into that heart space, let us call in our guides and guardians, our spirit teams, our healing teams, whoever you like to journey with, with the kingdom drum, that linker of worlds. And there's a center, <laughs> and in the center is that, that, that fire, that light. So let us gather around that fire, coming close, going around in that perfect circle in that virtual way that we know how to do. If we call in the seven galactic directions in the Mayan tradition, Welcome from the east, the house of light. A wisdom open in the dawn that is upon us, so that we may see all things in clarity. We greet from the north. House of night. May wisdom mature among us so that we might see everything from within. Welcome from the West, the House of Transformation. May wisdom be transformed into bright action so that we might accomplish what must be done. We greet from the south, the house of the eternal sun. May right action give us the harvest so that we might enjoy the fruits of the planetary being. And we greet from above the house of paradise where the star people and the ancestors 
in his last movie just now. Welcome from below the house of earth. May the beating of the Christmas planet's heart bless us with this harmony so that we might end war. We welcome to the central source of the galaxy, which is everywhere at once. May every day be recognized as the light of mutual love. Are you do not cool? Even Maya, even the hope. Are you do not cool? Even Maya, even the hope. Are you do not cool? Even Maya, even the hope. All hail the harmony of mind and nature. The whole metaphor of all my relations in my wherever that drum beat took you in the journeying drum, the Kimi drum. As we take a few moments to look at the, the Mayan record of days for today, and today is a Friday the 13th. It is <laughs> the 13th key, the yellow cosmic warrior. So let's look at that for the affirmation here. The warrior key. Question, fearlessness, intelligence are three words to describe the key, the warrior. And that 13th tone, the cosmic tone, endure, presence, and transcending. It's kin number 156, and which is a free, it's activating. So here's the affirmation for today. I endure in order to question transcending fearlessness. I feel the output of intelligence with the cosmic tone of presence. I am guided by the power of universal power. So the guide for today's <clears throat> tone is for the tone is a how the sun. So how perfect to end this wave of the seed with the sun <laughs> at flowering of our idea, our ideas with the seed wave and. Um, and transcending it with the sun energy into the the next wave, which will be Kaban. So we'll talk about that in a minute. Let, let's look at the key a little bit more. <clears throat> it's a warrior aspect, and it's about trusting in our journey. So we're, we're bringing awareness of right action with this energy. It's key. And it brings these gifts of communication with the divine and that access to cosmic consciousness. So this is a time to let go of any limitation or restrictions or any hesitation. And this 
13 cosmic tone is that promise of change. It is transcendent. Uh, So a wonderful Friday the 13th. (laughs) And what I wanted to share with you was just one of the the commentaries from the Space Station Progress. So let's see if I can do that magic in in a moment and see how that works. Oh, yeah, here it is. We have arrived on day 13 of the final day in the Yellow Sea Glade Spell of Awakening. Flowering, new beginnings, ripening, opening to light, and blossoming into our highest potential. So today is the day the little yellow seed fiercely blooms, opening its multi-layered petals and blossoming into its highest potential, revealing all its light through sheer luminescent presence as the enlightened cosmic rainbow warrior. And this is, I'll read this a little bit before, too, where he's talking about this is after we've just been through of the last 60, 10 days that we've been through, 40 of those were galactic activation portal days. So so we've been, the, the last one of those, those core days was yesterday with the blue eagle, the crystal, the blue crystal eagle. And uh, so it, <laughs> we've been through these real, a lot of galactic activation portal days in the last, um, well, not even 60, 50 days. So we're um, ready now to move into the solar eclipse season, <laughs> which is very interesting. You'll, you'll see how that's synchronizing up. But, um so it says we are finally free from the attic gap intensity. Gap is just galactic activation portal, which is the um, the the abbreviation of the acronym. The gap intensity, so we should start to feel lighter and less encumbered, having climbed up to the top of to the top of Jacob's ladder, except for the looming eclipse and those intense CMEs. Erupting from the sun and bombarding our planet. Oh man, something that stole away. So we have arrived on day 13 at that final day. So I read that part and I want to go back to a little bit more of the, how it's described. So the cosmic tone is the last and final tone of creation, the highest octave. Tone 13 operates in the spiritual realm. Excuse me. Thirteen is the mystical number of the cosmic order, the goddess, and synchronic natural time. Cosmic action transcends power, endures essence, presence. Today, we have an incredible spiritual power at your disposal to transcend all those old warrior battles. As the old paradigm and all its trappings dissolve into the cosmic myth, we can transform them through pure presence, translating into pure bliss. We have arrived. Adsun, I am here. This is the stage of having transcended the physical, emotional, and mental realms and arriving at cosmic consciousness. Today we can still be still and connect to the essence of our greatest light, the frequency of pure internal presence. And and also that dance we do with the thirteen twenty is the thirteen tone and the um, the 20 showing up as the um, occult guide for tonight. The, the energy that we're working with as we are in this with this program is the occult spiritual guide of the day is a how. 
So we're working with the sun energy, that universal power. I'm guided by the power of universal power, right? So with that said, <laughs> questioning the old fear paradigm and rejecting it unequivocally, refusing to wage war or fight those old battles, downing our weapons and suits of protective armor as we reveal our true essence down to our pure nakedness, fully transparent and ready to be seen in all our luminous glory. We use our higher solar intelligence to gain revelation and bring fearless illumination into our lives and those we influence, consciously choosing to fearlessly create the most enlightened culture that we can imagine. That is our collective mission, and no thing or nothing can get in our way of realizing that divine plan. So the warrior energy has served us well to get us to this point in our ascension journey, but now we have transcended this role, and it's time for an upgrade. We have cleared and healed those old warrior wounds, both personally and collectively. Now the rainbow warriors can put down their weapons and take their rightful positions as sovereign leaders and peace ambassadors of New Earth. Very timely as we commence the beautiful and grounded red magnetic Earth way cell tomorrow. No more war. <laughs> Actually, it says war no more. So today, the fearless rainbow warriors have graduated from the battlefields and claim their honored places as the brave and wise spiritual warriors seeking peace and harmony. Nirvana awaits. And so the higher self guide the yellow cosmic sun, the commentary here, a how, we have a dynamic duo. We have today with a how, the enlightened one, as the higher guide. And how prompts us to step up and become independent, sovereign beings who are complete and wholesome. Fearlessly focused on questioning the source of presence as we claim our full sovereign essence as solar citizens. This enables us to perfect the illumination of our own pure essence as part of the larger divine plan for new earth. A new time where all are authentically shining their light their sovereignty with nothing hidden, no parts of ourselves unacknowledged, the whole of us shining in the pure light of our capacity to fully shine as the enlightened one, cosmic warriors that we have become. It is time for us to claim our mastery and live our daily lives through the lens of spirit and the enlightened masters that we are. Today is a brilliant day for all the newly awakened seeds to grow to the next reaching for the light and seeking the highest path of truth and illumination. And the support for today is, is Akbal, the Blue Cosmic Knight, and it holds the keys to the inner kingdom of God Blue Cosmic Knight, contains the gold vault of cosmic abundance. We endure the journey and, and deep dive into the unconscious to search all the corners of what is hidden in order to reveal all that has been denied. Revealing and uncovering every hidden aspect of self, arising to be healed and brought into pure presence. Akbar holds the dreaming code for the collective that the warrior will fearlessly defend until it has it made manifest in all of its rainbow splendor. That is our unified quest as the shining one, the radiant Christed star with sun leading the way to the new paradigm and the collective abundance for all beings. And that occult hidden power, like I said, that we're working with tonight, the red magnetic serpent Chichang gives us the power to fearlessly face our fears. 
in order to grow and hold more light. Pure spiritual life force is magnetized within us as we honor all that we are in the channels that are freed up and open within us. I think I'll stop there. <laughs> it's almost done, but I want to <clears throat> continue on with the rest of the week because tomorrow is a once a bond and we start a new wave of the red magnetic earth on Saturday. And so this is where we look to navigate our future. So we're um, graduating from the sun energy into the earth and putting it right there and doing that good work with that. Kaban, it's a healing aspect, and it's about being the people of the earth and having that awareness of earth energy. So listen, 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 and access those, that gift of planetary harmony that's within us as we are the balancing point. We work with our intuition and, and ask her what she needs as we let go of any separation, any failure to redefine, to any dissociation. So that's on Saturday, and then moving on to Sunday, it's the two Etsnop, the white moon and mirror. It's a warrior aspect as well, so we work on our groundedness with this energy on Sunday and that wise use of honesty and, and checking into lots of self-understanding as we embrace these gifts of trying the unseen, uh, embracing the fluidity and the persistence of the presence. So let's let go of any illusion of separateness, fear, or any abandonment. And then moving on to Monday, it's the three co-ops that blew electric storm. And co-ops it is that storm energy, and that three-tone is the electric storm. So <clears throat> how appropriate the day before this eclipse energy will really in it. And it's a beautiful way to mirror the lineup of all that's happening. <laughs> so... Um, and with that storm energy. And the storm energy is a visionary aspect. So we're creating transformation with, for others with this energy and lighting clear thoughts. So we embrace the gift of possibility of freedom and that power of catalyzing. If we let go of any addiction to crisis, despair, or fear, I hope you've been able to hear me. I put my phone pretty far away. So I apologize if you couldn't. And then... <laughs> Eclipse Day, it is a for a how that has to be total synchronicity that it is a solar eclipse and the on a how. So it's a for a how, it's a self existing sun. And that sun is a healing aspect and that rise to Christ consciousness as we strive towards wholeness and transmitting energy to others and we get the magic of a solar eclipse with it. So it's magnifying it and bringing in extra dimensionality. So we embrace these gifts of possibility thinking and unconditional love and embrace the God self. As we let go of any limitation or separation and embrace this solar energy, this eclipse energy. And then moving on to Wednesday, it's a Friday niche. And that's the dragon energy. It's beginning the cycle again around the wheel. It's the dragon. It's an artist aspect. And it's about working with creation itself, new beginnings. It's self-dependence. It's about trusting in the universe and clarity in mind as we begin this new unial trip around the wheel of the solar glyph. So it's a, it's 
uh, a time to embrace that gift of being that source of creation and being the beginning as we let go of any illusion of lack of support we embrace these energies on Wednesday and then moving on to Thursday at the sixth week uh, the wind the rhythmic wind the white rhythmic wind so this is a visionary aspect as we work to co-create heaven on earth uh, we do it with the spirit energy. So it's about truth in all matters. It's about remembering our unity with spirit as we embrace these gifts of having the voice of spirit and spirit working through us. So we let go of any judgment of others as we embrace these energy. And Friday when we come back, it'll be a seven off ball, which is the night. So it's a, the blue resonant night. And uh, another artist aspect. So we're working with our participation and our beliefs and our abundance as we learn from the dream time and embrace that. The protection of the night as and know that we are the mystery of life. So let's let go of any self-judgment or any withdrawals. Embrace these energies on Friday and we'll talk about it some more when we get there next Friday. <laughs> So then moving on, I'm going to change my hat, and we're going to talk about some housekeeping. As each week we um, we incur expenses with um, BBS Radio for their services, and we also um, are supporting Tara and Rama with their needs as they devote their energy to the mission of putting these programs on and the contacts that they do and all the work that they do. Um, we like to honor them this way, and and this is rent week, so we're we're making it happen. <laughs> That's how it works. So let's talk about the radio. Each week we need three hundred dollars. This week we need five hundred and fifty-six dollars and twenty cents. So we're we're almost two weeks behind, but or a week behind. But we're we got it started. We can keep it going, and we can catch up. So. Just know that it takes going into your heart space, seeing what is yours to give, and then going to bbsradio.com. Click on Radio Station 1, and there you'll find this program on Friday night at 6 o'clock hour, uh, the hard news on Friday nights with Tara and Mama. And you can click on that icon there, and that'll take you to our account where you can make a donation in an email. We also have a program on Thursday nights at the 6 o'clock hour on Radio, radio Station 1. And it is a night at the round table with the panel. That's another place that, where you can make that donation as you click on that icon there. And then on Saturdays, we have a program at the 1.30 hour Pacific. And it's the true history, history, and the Sarah and our galactic origins with Tara and Rama. And that one begins at you know, at 1.30. I already said that. So anyway, any one of those three icons, as you see, click on that listing. That takes you to our account with DDS, and you can make a donation there. So thank you. Thank you, thank you for taking that action, and thank you for all the ways you show up in your life. So we're assisting Tara and Rama with their needs as well, and this week is rent week, so it's 1150 that comes in, and we're grateful for all your donation and your commitment and making that happen this month, and grateful for everyone donating. So. Um, they also have three bills that are due that are $300 and they need $250 for living expenses. So 
you can add all that up or you can just take that action. Here's how we make a contribution to Tara and Lama. You want to go to the web address, which is rainbowroundtable.net. And there on the home page, if you click on that menu grid that you see up in the corner, um, that menu drops down near the bottom is the donate link. Click on that, and that'll take you to Rama's PayPal account, where you can make a donation in any amount. And that's a beautiful way to do that. So thank you for taking that action. And then, as you wish to access the friends option, you can do that by putting in the email that Rama uses at that site. And that email address is Koran, K-O-R-A-N, 9999 at hotmail.com. So you just put that in and that allows you to access the friends option, which eliminates the commercial charges. Either way, is perfect. We're so grateful for all your contributions. Thank you so much for taking that action. So, um, and as we do that, uh, we need to let Tara and Rama know that we sent something. So just shoot them an email. That address is Koran, K-O-R-A-N, 99939 at comcast.net. And, uh, yeah, as you're able to send something, please let them know that you sent it and when, when you sent it. And then as you need it, they have a mailing address. And that is Rom D. Berkowitz, R-A-M. D. Berkowitz, B-E-R-K-O-W-I-T-Z, Berkowitz, Post Office Box 280, 280, 280. And that's in Santa Cruz, New Mexico, and the zip code in Santa Cruz, New Mexico is 87567. And I'll repeat it, 87567 is the zip for Santa Cruz, New Mexico. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, for all the ways that you show up. So 13, thank you. Honey in the heart. Long life, no evil. I'm passing the talking stick. Over to you, Tara and Rama. Uh, in this this talking stick is <laughs> full of the shot. It must be celebrating that 13th warrior day that we're in this year. <laughs> the Friday the 13th is happening, and so... All the Prashats are here and all kinds of fairies and feathers and, <laughs> and it's kind of, they, they've got, they all got pumpkins and I, I don't know what that's about, but there's a few jack-o'-lanterns involved and a bunch of coyotes and, <laughs> and rabbits and trickers like that and a few fairies and feathers and little people, menahoonies and hobbits and and all those good ones. So greetings, Tara Rama. Here comes the talking stick. Greetings. Greetings. Shot warriors it is. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Rainbird. Thank you, everyone. And mother and Yes. Um well, I wanted to say something that I heard. Penny gave a nice little shout out for something that happened to her today, this morning, I think around nine or something. She was out driving and she was 
on the radio. She was listening to the radio and it was up there in uh, Alberta where she lives. And um, she's driving down the road and it was 90.9 CBCFM radio. And the broadcaster actually on the news part of that show made an announcement that President Zelensky has been killing his own people. That's as far as I got with what Penny said that they said. In other words, we've been telling through the faction Three White Knights that that all for a long time now. Yes. With the uh, added uh, comments from Zelensky that Russia did it. And this is huge, as Bertie would say. Yeah. Whew. Um, let's dance. <laughs> and Cindy Lauper is a Faction 3 White Knight, too. And uh, Ari Melbo is going to er interview her next week on his show. She, he's Ari Melbo's show is right before... <clears throat> um, Joy Reid, her show is on MSNBC. Joy Reid's on the readout at, uh, well, on Eastern Time, that would be 7 o'clock. So uh, that's what, because on Mountain Time, it's 5 o'clock. So Ari Mebler's from 4 to 5, uh, Mountain Time, meaning from 6 to 7, Eastern. Um I was just paying attention and Ari played a little clip of sound from her and she was saying, <clears throat> girls just want to have fun. And she made a pause and then she finished her sentence. The mental rights. So she was using the name of her song, Girls Just Want to Have Fun to make a powerful statement about abortion, demental rights, yeah. meaning the fundamental rights to their bodies. Exactly. And, yes? I said, ditto. <laughs> <laughs> and again, the responsibility for what they may be or may not be ready for, whatever happens, um, that's between their, you know, their doctor, and if they're underage, then their parents, their doctor, and themselves. And yes, instead of just saying, and God, God, God is all that is. Let's dance. Okay. Those are two very huge Faction Three White Knights uh, reports. Yes. And Rama, I want to pass the talking stick to you. What do you want to say about today and your I story for today? I got a call from Delilah. And, uh, Tell everybody who that is who's new. Delilah plays sappy, sticky, sweet love songs on Magic 99 across the country. and It's she, a syndicate. It's her own. She owns that name, and it's a syndicated radio show across the country. Yeah. Yeah. And she just said... Magic 99. 
She just said, heads up, dude, it's coming down now. The galactic forces are here, and so many people are seeing them all over the planet. And these ancient life forms that have been playing around with controlling the planet. Meaning they've been uh, all along for many incarnations uh, uh, keeping us in the past, in the old timeline. Keeping the perpetual samsara going. Yeah, thinking you're free, but you're slaves, no matter what, to their whim. Yeah, it is ending. And then she went on and she said, let's say the forces of light in this realm and the other realms of the multiverse are here. This is Delilah speaking. The last time that on a regular basis Rama was talking to Delilah was when we were staying at the Bell Ringers, which is in South Dakota. <laughs> 2003. 2003, right. So 2013. Next year it'll be 20 years. That's yeah. a, not a peep out of her. And she's just been going about her business. And since 1996, her husband has been... Working with the King of Swords. Working with the Faction Three White Knights. So she gets to see him maybe once a year or so. Yeah. And that's the same thing with the Poppy Lady and her daughter. Her daughter gets to see her mom. Yeah, the Poppy Lady is a code name for a Faction Three White Knight. And her daughter gets to see her mom maybe once a year too. Or twice. Yeah. Maybe. Sometimes a longer time goes by. Uh, this is good to talk about because this is very real. It's taken many, many, many decades. It started in earnest in 1949 with a character named Sam Brown. And whether we knew it or not, when we say we have to pay our taxes to Uncle Sam, that's the name of the man that that refers to. I don't even think he's on the planet anymore, is he? I would say not. No. Uh, he did something. He, he got he got we the people's shoe in the door, you might say. Like there was a tiny crack uh, from the controller's end that was open and the light started to shine through. And uh, that was in 1949. And... The other thing that's happened in 1949 is that Israel, and most people never heard of such a thing, but Israel became the 51st state of the union. It wasn't in that order. You know, we know about the last two states were Hawaii and Alaska. So, and I think Alaska was in 1950. And maybe Hawaii too, 50-51, somewhere in there. But uh, we're just saying, uh, even though they, we understand them to be the 49th and 50th state, um, in order of events, in terms of not knowing, uh, Israel became a state of the United States in 1949, before Hawaii and Alaska. But we just say it's the 51st state in the sense 49, 50, 51, no, most people don't know. You can open the door for her. Uh, so I'm just making this. This is a long, a long 
a long time coming, as they say. 1949, It was 70 years ago in 2019, 2021, 20, so 73 years. This is Faction three white knight operations have been going on in earnest for 73 years. And, um, and um, uh, Don was asking about, you know, Barack Obama, and now he's been coming out. He had something to say. Uh, is it almost time to play that, right? Yeah, we That's should play it now. 16 minutes and... Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay, we're going to play this. Let me just finish this last little few words. The, the galactic forces are, standing by, are on standby, per the captain's orders. There are many thousands of craft here. As we go through this episode coming up in Scorpio, this eclipse, excuse me, coming up in Scorpio. Remember, the phoenix always rises. We will be seeing you soon. We have got some papers to discuss. <laughs> That's a good thing. May the force be with all of us at this time. Satnam Namaste, Blaze of Light of Fire. Okay, tell everybody what we're going to play. This is Billy Carson. This is Billy Carson. What does you, what your DNA actually does is mind blowing and it's good because it's bringing in the galactic realms. So today we're going to talk about uh, the power of your DNA, uh, you know, how to activate it. It's really, it sounds like a mystical statement. It sounds like, wow, this is going to be some miraculous event. Actually, it's really a very simple thing, but what probably is going to be more amazing to some of you, some of you may already know this, is what DNA is and how it operates. <clears throat> I think that's the, the big secret here, because once you understand that, then you're going to open yourself up to um, understanding how to reprogram yourself. And that's the real activation, reprogramming yourself. So one thing I want to talk about is the fact that DNA is a storage medium. In other words, it's a hard drive. You're a walking hard drive, your body. One gram of DNA, this is science, peer-reviewed science, by the way, guys. One gram of DNA, which is enough to put a little tiny drop on the tip of your finger, can store 700 terabytes of data. I'm not talking about, you know, uh, what, you know, etherical data or mystical data. I'm talking about real zeros and ones that make your phone work and make your computer work. Zeros and one bits of data, zeros and ones, can be stored on DNA. So these scientists... Uh, the main one, George Church and Chris Shuri, those two actually together, partners and scientists, they discovered this and they downloaded one of their books, one of their e-books onto the DNA, and then they uploaded it from the DNA back to the server again. They was like, whoa, wait a minute. You can encode digital bits of information directly onto DNA and upload it back again. And what does that mean? Well, we're, we're walking USB drives. Literally. Now, here's what's really amazing about that. They then took that same ebook, downloaded it back to the DNA again, and said, let's see how much we can go. They replicated the book 70 billion times in one gram of DNA. 70 billion copies of an ebook in one gram with 433 petabytes of data. Think about that. In one tiny drop inside of your body right now, 
you can store 13.5 billion years of data. Oh. Ironically, that's how old the universe is. So, you are the universe. You literally have all the information stored in your body from the beginning of time until this very moment inside of you. So when people say the universe is in you, it's not just a figure of speech. Like the universe is really in you because all bits of data and particles, all, all bits of, uh, of particles are all recycled over and over. All atoms are recycled. Everything is recycled. You're, everything that was here from the beginning is here right now. Nothing's been added. Nothing's been removed due to the law of thermodynamics. Energy cannot be destroyed. It can only be transformed. You're just here right now in this particular form at this particular moment. But all the information in your DNA will go back if you had the capability of decoding it, will allow you to find this out. This is why, and some of you here know that I talked a lot about the Anunnaki, these Atlantean beings that came here in the distant past and genetically modified the existing hominid. They didn't create people. They modified people. This is one of the big things where people say, oh, the Anunnaki created us. Not, not really. If you really analyze the text, and I'm not just talking about Sumerian texts, you have to go into several different versions of text. The Enumeralist and Seven Tablets of Creation, the Atra Asus Epic, the Epic of Gilgamesh. You go into uh, the Emerald Tablets. You discover that there was a genetic, there was already a hominid here and it was genetically modified. That was our cousin before Homo sapiens existed. What did they do to us to make us into this slave race to do the work for them? They disconnected our DNA. That's what you have called now junk DNA. It's not junk, guys. It's unplugged DNA. Why did they unplug it? Because our cousins, unlike you've been taught, were way smarter than us. I'm not talking technologically smarter. I'm talking about spiritually smarter. Born in tune with nature, born in tune with the universe, born in tune with the planet itself, the human resonant frequency of the earth. They had bigger brains proven because we found the skulls all over the planet. They had uh, probably, because of bigger brains, most likely had bigger pineal glands, which is your spiritual antenna. All humans right now, we have billions of magnetite crystals in our brains. We don't even use them. They probably had access to their magnetite crystals, which is what turtles use to navigate the oceans to come back to where they're going to lay their eggs and, and uh, birds. They, they flock to the south in the, in the winter and so forth, all using the magnetic field. Well, we have the same capability, but right now we've, we've been disconnected from using that. If a tsunami comes inland, before it even hits, all the wild animals run to the mountains and the hills. You never see wild animals getting swept away by a tsunami. But you see people, we just stay right out there. And just, we're taking, look, the tsunami's coming. I'm live on Instagram. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. You know, so we've been disconnected. You know, we, our DNA has been disconnected. Our consciousness has been reduced. They've already scientifically proven and found out that a worship gene was embedded into the human genome. And they don't know who did it, but they can tell you that it was around 200,000 years ago, the same time that they discovered that chromosome number two in the human body was taken out, fused together, and two telomere caps were put on each end. Again, this is something done in a laboratory, admitted by mainstream scientists, but they can't figure out who did it. They can only tell you when. Oh, about 200,000 years ago. Well, what do the tablets say? 200,000 years ago is when they first genetically modified the existing hominid on this planet. Harvard scientists in America just discovered that under the most pristine conditions, a human being can live for how many years? 120. Well, it says the same thing in the Bible. It says the same thing in the Sumerian text. This is what all the GMOs and the genetic seeds and 
and the, and the tortured meat and everything else under and the, and the pollution under the most pristine conditions we should live to 120 years now what they said is okay well why are we dying at 120 years and less what what's the reason that's when they came and i told you about before the chromosome number two and the telomere caps they realized that these telomere caps which are buff they store buff material that allows when your cells and dna replicate it allows information to not be lost in the transference because you know your body's consistently regenerating over and over again but when the buff material in these caps run out that's when your body starts the death process so we were capped they put a cap on us and if you look at some of the ancient texts biblical or either sumerian uh emerald tablets uh even some of the indian books you'll discover that people were living for thousands of years well what happened all of a sudden they stopped living for these are human beings not gods humans were living for thousands of years now mainstream science wants to say oh it's because they had more oxygen and all this kind of crazy stuff no man we've been genetically modified just like the seeds on this planet that's why so they went and said okay let's look at some mice so they took some mice at harvard and they accessed the telomere caps and they put together a sequence that prevented them from shrinking or losing the buff material and all of a sudden these mice lived three three times their normal lifespan Three times their normal lifespan. Do you want a free Trump gold bar? Well, stay on the video and you'll find out how you can claim your very own $100 Trump gold. So we know that DNA is a storage medium and it can store a massive amount of information. This is this is very, very important for you to understand. And like I said, uh, on one gram of DNA, 433 petabytes of data. I don't know if you know what a petabyte is, but it's a, it's a massive amount of information. But let's take it to the next step now. Now they have discovered that epigenetic memories can be passed down 14 generations inside of DNA. Memories. So you're wondering why you feel fear of this and fear of that, or you have a phobia of this or a phobia of that. Well, you feel strongly about this and not so strongly about that. It's not because it runs in your family. It's because it's in your DNA. Now, the next thing I want to talk about is how does this work with the law of attraction? What does DNA have to do with the law of attraction? It has a lot to do with the law of attraction, actually, because the law of attraction uh, is actually initiated through the DNA. When you And how many people here have ever heard somebody say, I get a download? People say, I get a download. Don't laugh at those people. Because they're really getting the download. I've seen people laugh before and chuckle when people walk away. Let me tell you something. You don't understand quantum. If you think it's funny, you don't understand quantum mechanics. Because just like I told you about you know, DNA being able to be a hard drive, which, by the way, now Microsoft has created the first DNA hard drive that really works. So things like uh, teleportation of biological entities and all that stuff is all becoming a reality because the only thing stopping us was, was storage space. But anyway, scientists have also found out now that DNA sends and receives wireless signals, wireless information. We have a built-in Wi-Fi system in our bodies already. So, and it's just broadcast between 8 to 10 feet away from the human body. So all times of day, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, we're all downloading information directly from the ether of space-time itself. And what's in the ether of space-time? Remember, a human being can only see on a very small uh, spectrum of light. So what we're seeing right now is literally just part of the hologram. Just part of the hologram. Everything else, there's trillions and trillions of electromagnetic waves passing in you, through you, and out of you at this existing very moment, right now as I'm speaking. 
that's all everything is is electromagnetic waves that's all that really exists besides that in consciousness those two things collapse together create what we call matter so right now we can we can't see these other waves of light but they're there but what's happening is if the dna in your body is is uh oscillating at a specific frequency that matches a frequency of a, an electromagnetic wave that's already out there you can download information from that wave what do waves carry they carry information electromagnetic waves carry information what i'm giving you guys is real peer-reviewed science write it down and go look it up and research it all the information contained in the entire universe is passing in us all and all around us at all times there is no original uh no original idea if you're just sitting around going man i have a great idea i'm gonna invent so and so not really what happened was you got on the right frequency and you downloaded the information directly from the uh, universe There's a professor called James S. Gates Jr., but he's a specialist in supersymmetry and uh, theoretical physics. And this guy is one of the leaders in this in the world. He's not just some guy who plays around with this. He's the, like the leader. He gets he gets together this super team of quantum physicists, and they start digging into the ether of space time to figure out what is floating in us and around us. What is this space time? What is space? And he discovers that it operates on something called adinkra codes. And these adinkra codes can be traced back to the Dogon tribe in Mali, Africa, who actually were the original uh, Egyptians from the land of Kem. They later migrated out to Mali. But they have these codes. These codes represent, they're flat codes on, on cloth, but when you take them into a third dimension, they represent sophisticated numerical mathematics that depict something called error correcting codes in our modern science. And these error correcting codes are what run search engine browsers and websites. So what is governing the function of our space-time reality in the third dimension is a software program that runs websites and search engines. This is peer-reviewed science, guys. So this is how powerful you are. So what's happening is you're syncing up with information that's already on the net and it's downloading into your body and you're processing that. The law of attraction is not just something. And you know, a lot of people hear you, oh, law of attraction, I'm going to use the law of attraction, but they really don't know how to utilize it the, the proper way. And it's a real powerful tool to use in your life. And if you really truly, truly understand the law of attraction, you're going to make your life so much easier. It goes along, though, with the reprogramming process. You have to begin to start the reprogram. If you want it to work consistently, you can make it work by accident here or there, spot it. But if you want it to work consistently, you got to continue to reprogram your DNA, And then you have to understand one other thing, quantum entanglement. But in quantum entanglement, which is something in real physics, uh, it's where you use something called parabolic down conversion to get two photons or two particles on the same frequency. So once you get two particles on the same frequency, you can take one particle to the other end of the universe if you have the capability of getting it there. And the particle that's local to you, you can change the information in it, put data on it, and the other particle will change instantaneously bypassing the speed of light. And scientists now have discovered that the brain, the neurons in the brain, phase in and out of the third dimensional reality. So your neurons, your, between your synapses, are actually phasing in and out of the third dimension. Where are they going? They're communicating with other realms and other dimensions, syncing and, and, and quantum entangling with, with um, particles and, and thoughts in other places. So when you understand this, how you go, oh wow, When you're supposed to, when you look into the ancient tablets, especially in the Emerald Tablet, which is why I wrote my book, Compendium of the Emerald Tablets, the biggest part of my book is where Thoth is talking about the power of manifestation through meditation and thought. 
and he's literally talking about how to sync with the universal consciousness through something else which I've labeled the Christ consciousness. So the Christ consciousness doesn't mean you're syncing up with Jesus Christ. What it means is you're syncing up with the idea, the concept of this higher level of consciousness that exists uh, out there in space-time. So when you yourself are aligning yourself properly with the universe, vibrating on a high frequency, what does that mean, vibrating on a high frequency? That means you're thinking with love, not thinking with hate. You're thinking with power and love, not fear and weakness. And when you do that, that puts your DNA scientifically at a high frequency. This has been done in laboratories. They've taken DNA, they've, uh, they've analyzed a person's thought patterns through caps that they put on with electrodes, and they've got them looking at photos. Okay, stop, stop. Just leave it, stop there. We'll finish the last two minutes later because we've got to be on time and go to the conference call now. Rama, what's the number? Uh, 720-716- 7301, and the pin code is 353863 pound. And we'll see you there, and we'll be at the top of the next hour. We'll be right back here at BBS Radio, the best radio in the universe, and so it is. Satnam for now. Thank you, Billy Carson, for food for thought. <laughs> see you there, everybody. Namaste.
Hi, Precious Heart. Thank you for joining us for our weekly vlog. Today we are in the midst of the 36th Annual World Congress on Illumination. Lightworkers from around the world have traveled to Santa Fe, New Mexico to hold this sacred space and to serve as surrogates on behalf of the Holy Innocents, the rest of humanity, the Elemental Kingdom, and Mother Earth during this vital facet of Earth's ascension process. Thousands of additional lightworkers are joining us virtually from their points of light in every corner of the planet. Day by day, during the 36th World Congress, we are being guided through various activities of light orchestrated by our Father, Mother God, the Company of Heaven, and higher expressions of divinity from systems of worlds beyond anything we have ever experienced. The divine mission of this holy endeavor is for us to join forces as we are empowered to co-create the divine matrix for a generational changing of the guard. This generational shift of power from the obsolete fear-based old guard to the new heart-based transformational leaders involves the sons and daughters of God who have embodied on earth since the first harmonic convergence in August of 1987. These precious ones are known in the heavenly realms as the holy innocents. They include the incoming babies, the children, the teenagers known as Generation Z, and the millennials. These young people have been uniquely prepared prior to this embodiment to fulfill the facet of Mother Earth's divine plan that will complete the purging of the old earth and the co-creation of the heart-based patterns of perfection for the fifth dimensional crystalline new earth. Today, we will be guided through the next step of this divine plan. As the beings of light have discussed in several of the previous vlogs and newsletters, from Era of Peace, these sons and daughters of God are embodying on earth for the first time. Consequently, they are karma-free, even though they are not working through their own karmic liabilities. They have volunteered to assist humanity to clear our ancestral miscreations from all time frames and dimensions. This will accelerate the purging of the miscreations from the old earth in ways we have not previously experienced. Prior to this embodiment, the I am presence of every one of the holy innocents was shown by the karmic board the ancestral liabilities encoded in the DNA of the embodied souls who were available 
to be their parents. Then the I am presence of each of these incoming holy innocents was asked to choose their parents and also to choose under what circumstances they wanted to incarnate. Literally billions of holy innocents have embodied since 1987. They are in every country and experiencing every conceivable situation in the world. In addition to their parents and their circumstances, they have also chosen which gender, race, nationality, religious influence, culture, financial status, and every other logistical factor encoded in their parents' ancestral DNA that needed to be healed. Their choices were made in resonance with their desire to heal and transmute the ancestral miscreations of their parents and their parents' ancestors from all time frames and dimensions. With the incredible shifts of consciousness that have taken place since the birth of this decade, the holy innocents have finally reached a frequency of vibration that will allow them to permanently clear the patterns of miscreation encoded within the ancestral DNA they inherited from their parents. This activity of light will be God victoriously accomplished today through the unified efforts of heaven and earth. With the assistance of the guardians of earth and the beings of light from systems of worlds beyond anything we have ever experienced, Saint Germain and the fifth dimensional violet flame archangels will intensify the power and might of our father, mother, God's violet flame of infinite perfection to frequencies that mother earth has never before received. Each and every one of us has been specifically prepared to be the open door for this gift of light on behalf of the holy innocents, their parents, Mother Earth, and all life evolving upon her. If you have the heart call to do so, please join now as your I am presence takes full dominion of your participation in this activity of light. And we begin. I am the open door for the brand new frequencies of our Father Mother God's fifth dimensional crystalline solar violet flame of infinite perfection. I am my I am presence, and I am one with the I am presence of every person on earth. 
Now, on the holy breath, humanity's I am presences merge into one luminous being of light. It is cradling Mother Earth and all life evolving upon her within the divinity of our unified heart flames. Humanity, the elemental kingdom, and Mother Earth are now breathing in unison with me as one elevated holy breath. Now, through the clarion call of humanity's collective I am presence, an awe-inspiring new frequency of the fifth dimensional violet flame begins to expand and expand from the core of creation. response, St. Germain and his legions of fifth-dimensional violet flame archangels blaze this violet flame with the power and might of a thousand suns through all of the ancestral patterns of miscreation that were inherited within the DNA of the holy innocents from their parents. creation are instantaneously transmuted into light from all time frames and dimensions. The I am presence of every one of the holy innocents replaces these patterns with the patterns of perfection that the holy innocents have encoded within the consciousness code of their 12 fifth dimensional crystalline solar strands of DNA. These consciousness codes are pulsating with not only the patterns of perfection we can imagine existing on our fifth dimensional love-based new earth, but also all of the exquisite patterns and frequencies of perfection beyond our imagination. There are new colors, new fragrances, new musical tones, new technologies, new energy sources, and new solutions for all of the maladies that might still be adversely affecting humanity, the elemental kingdom, and Mother Earth from their ancestral miscreation. As the consciousness codes within the DNA of the Holy Innocents replace the DNA codes of their parents' ancestral miscreations, a shift is taking place within the hearts and minds of the Holy Innocents. 
are beginning to awaken to this inner knowing. I am a cup, a holy grail, through which the light of God is now flowing to lift all life on earth into the blissful embrace of the new earth. Through the majestic power of my Father, Mother, God's comprehensive divine love, all life is being lifted into the immaculate concept of the divine plan for the new earth. The infinite light of God is now flowing through my heart flame and I am able to easily communicate with every person I come in contact with openly and honestly. I am a compassionate and thoughtful listener. I am an exponent of divine family life including my place in the family of humanity. In the heart-based space I now abide in, I am able to easily reach my divine potential in all of my relationships. I am a peace-commanding presence a heart-based, transformational leader, a wager, a steward of the earth, a light worker, and a co-creator of heaven on earth. Through my thoughts, feelings, words, actions, memories, and beliefs, I am a living example of oneness, divine truth, divine justice, integrity, honesty, acceptance, tolerance, vibrant health, abundance, and reverence for all life. I continually ask for guidance from my I am presence and I intuitively receive information and heart-based viable solutions to the various situations surfacing in my life. I also receive guidance that will help me to easily fulfill my divine plan and my purpose and reason for being. I now realize through all levels of consciousness that I am a powerful instrument of God during this auspicious time on planet Earth. With this knowing, I consecrate my life force to loving all life free. To assist in this holy endeavor, 
I invoke the fifth dimensional crystalline solar violet flame of God's infinite perfection to instantly transmute into light any remaining residue from the thoughts, feelings, words, action, memories, or beliefs my parents, ancestors miscreated in any time frame or dimension, both known and unknown. I realize that I am a multidimensional being of light and I abide simultaneously in both the pure land of boundless splendor and infinite light in the heavenly realms and on the new earth. From this new level of consciousness, I now begin to receive and comprehend the patterns of perfection that I am destined to co-create on the new And so it is, beloved, I am, I am, I am that I am. Dear ones, as we focus on our conscious holy breath throughout the rest of this day, This seemingly miraculous facet of the divine plan for the holy innocence will be integrated into the newly recalibrated heart flame of every person on earth. So pay attention and be here now. God bless you. I look forward to being with you tomorrow for the next step of this wondrous divine plan. Hello, I'm Lee Carroll. You know, greetings, dear ones. I am Kryon of Magnetic Service. We talk about the energy in the room. There'll come a day when you can see it. For all energy is measurable, all energy is seeable. 
if you have the things to see and measure. But it's there. And to set the stage of the energy that's here, I would like to tell you what it is that we are doing. An entourage comes in with me of beautiful beings. I'll call them family. In some cases, you will call them relatives and friends. You talk about the entourage of Cryon, you talk about the soup of God, you talk about souls that have been souls to come. And energies that are unexplainable, but you feel them as love. And it creates a safe place to be. If we would paint the broad brush there is compassion, there is love, there's understanding, there's family, there's all that is. And it supports you right now. It places you in a cocoon of reality. And some of you will feel it and some of you will not. It is the testimony of the beauty of free choice it belongs to humanity. That we would never force an energy on anyone. But we put it here for those who wish to feel it, who can feel it, and who have intent to feel it. This is the couch, you might say, that you sit in today as we give the message we're going to give. All year long, we've been talking to you. about the majesty of the gifts, about the beauty of the time, and through all the difficulty and all the change, we've invited you to hold on. Not to despair, understand what is before you, and at the same time, congratulate yourself for being here. It is a complicated message, and yet there is simplicity in the parts. Those listening here and now in this room will understand more than those listening out of this room. Those in the room have had a number of hours of teaching by my partner, the, the principles of the new age. The new, new age. You turn the corner. And even your teachers have recalibrated. They had to. You cannot pull the old energy into this energy, dear one. You just can't. If you do, it'll be self-destructive. Those of you who are facilitators in this room, I encourage you to pull upon that which is your intuition, the akash that you have had in the past, and bring forward an enhancement to everything you do. For the human mind is ready, 
and old souls are ready for brand new paradigms to occur in every respect. I'm going to review some of the attributes that we have taught since January right up to last week. If you followed these messages, dear ones, these will be reviews. But so many of you have not had the time. And so some of these will be important and it's the only time you're going to hear it wrapped up in this way. What we have talked about, what we have described, what 2014 has all been about. Let us start at the beginning. We started by discussing with you the, the possibility of the kind of evolution for the human being that you had not really thought about before. An evolution of wisdom. We talked about wisdom factors. We talked about consciousness having physics. But the main attribute was a concept. The concept of children as they grow up taking a long time, finally getting to this place right before puberty when they're on the playgrounds and they're still hitting each other and swatting each other and calling each other names and it's the best they can do. But as they grow and become young adults, they pass into another wisdom they stop hitting each other. They stop calling each other names. They see in one another things they never saw before. There's a realization that if they're going to get along in life, they better get along in life. <laughs> and they start looking at one another differently. They make friends. They become adults. They're reasonable. They're balanced. It's simple, isn't it? You see it in your children, you went through it yourself. But dear ones, this planet never did. You've been hitting each other with sticks and calling each other names for thousands of years. This is not unexpected. The other planets went through this, there comes a time. When there is a full realization of change. And it didn't just start now, it began over 50 years ago, it became refined 25 years ago. I came in because I saw the potential. You're going to need advice. You're going to need help. You're going to need to know what to do next. Every single planet has gone through this at this stage with the same attributes at this stage and needed the kind of help. That's why we're here. I wouldn't be here if the potential was not that you would pass the marker and you did. In this particular case on this planet, the precession of the equinoxes was this marker set up eons ago to be the final test, the timing. If you make it past this, you'd start to change. 
This was intuitive all along, and the ancients knew it, and they put it in their prophecies. You can read it. You can find it. You can see it in their calendars, and here you are. This is point one of the message. When the children start to grow, they change, and the wisdom starts to change. Perhaps you've seen it in your own. They grow up to be young adults. They behave differently. They act differently. They understand things differently. You actually get a little proud of them, <laughs> like we are of you. The playground is over. The survival instincts that you've had, where you separate and conquer, is over. And now you start the wisdom factor. It comes in slowly, dear ones. We call this year one because it's the first year that's free of the attributes of recalibration and great shift. 2013 was not a good year to start anything. Some of you tried. You know exactly what I'm talking about. This is. It happens slowly, and not everyone is the same. All humans are unique. Some of you are still going through the shift and the change with attributes that are going to take longer than others. It depends on who you are. But all of you, all of you, have the potential of great shift, and it's not negative. Do you hear me? It's the human being who sees it as negative is the one who does not want to go forward because they are afraid of it, because they don't know what it means. Point one: If I could tell you anything about this, you're gonna like it. Getting away from the playground means the bullies are gonna be gone in the world. <laughs> Getting away from the playground means you don't call each other other names anymore. You work things out, dear ones. This is the cusp of peace on earth. Peace on earth. We then told you is not the final goal. It's the beginning of the final goal. It's gonna be the easy part, believe it or not. Wisdom does that, and as your children became more mature, you didn't have to beat it into them to be nice to each other. They just were. They saw it for themselves because the wisdom of an adult began to show them how to behave. That balance was everything. So point one. You're in a graduate Earth, and you're starting to mature. In the process, it's going to feel different. That's point number one. Number two. It was early in the year. A message was given that some of you didn't like because it was so different to what you really expected me to say. I said to you, stop being strange. In an old energy, there was value in being strange, because you set off your your yourself apart from the others, so you could hold your truth, so others would stay away from you, not bother you. You could hold the truth and believe what you wanted to believe, and others would not try to interrupt it or or, or take it from you, and you were just odd enough so they would stay away. Yes, you were. 
<laughs> yes, you were. Just ask your relatives. You know, the holiday time, dear ones, is a really challenging time. You've got to be with them whether you want to or not. The elephant under the table, they probably won't ask you. What are you doing? What do you believe today? Are you still doing the weird stuff? Stop being strange. It's time to come out of the shell of everything you've ever learned about light and balance yourself. I want this Christmas, these holidays, whatever you call it, whatever reason you get together for family, even if you don't celebrate Christmas, this culture you do and others you don't, you'll be listening to my voice. Families get together. And sometimes it's difficult. Here's your challenge. I want them to know you've changed. You relax, you're compassionate, you smile more. You're comfortable with them, even with the questions that they may ask. You're comfortable because you have compassion for humanity and that's all there is. And if they ask a pointed question that perhaps in the past has led you right into disagreement and argument and drama, you can disengage it and look at them and love them and have compassionate and have an answer that is beautiful. Won't make them wrong. Won't make you right. Instead, an answer which will show you, you care about them a lot. It could be as simply as I love you enough not to get into this discussion. How about that? I love my family enough not to get into a discussion that would pull us apart. Can we celebrate the love of God together in whatever way we can or wish to and stay together as a unit? And they'll look at you and they'll say, what happened to you? If you separate and show unbalance, there isn't anybody who's going to want to, anybody who's going to want to be with you. Do you understand this? Do you understand this? You can't shine your light when you appear to be unbalanced to the person next to you at work. Balance is the key. Not isolation, not awe, not strange. It may be time to stop telling people what you believe. You don't have to anymore. You can just believe it. You understand that? Sometimes there are things you can say which will alienate people next to you. And they'll recognize immediately you must be one of those strange ones, one, one of those odd ones. That's no longer what we're asking. Balance and shining your light and compassion for those around you is the new normal. So let's talk about attribute number three, the new normal. We started talking about this in July. 
cannot go backwards, dear ones, into what used to work. Human beings intrinsically do not like change. It's just not anything that you can deal with. It takes energy to change things that shouldn't change. <laughs> that is how you work. How is it possible, dear human being, for you to get used to something that always moves? In the process of the attributes, we told you that it's like a radio station with a frequency that is beginning to shift. The communication with spirit that you've always had through meditation, through teaching, through intuitive thought, maybe seem missing. It's not, it just changed frequency. Metaphorically, we tell you to reach for the dial and tune to the new frequency so you can center it up again. But what we didn't tell you until recently was that it moves all the time. Every morning, you may have to get out and find the center. That is how fast the energy is moving. There is a potential for you that things may move faster than they ever have had before. Things that took years to move and change might do it in months. How fast can you adapt to a changing reality? Paradigm shifts. There is something called the new normal. And the new normal is a reality that is constantly on the move. It never truly settles in one place. We gave you the example of going to work and coming home and the furniture in your house had rearranged itself by itself. It got consciousness all of a sudden, sprouted legs and decided to move around a bit. You came home and you did not like the new arrangement. So you put it all back where it was. You went to work again, came home and it changed yet again. Every time you left, the furniture moved. What do you do? We discussed the various human attributes and the groups and what they would do. And there would be the group that says, I'm getting new furniture. This isn't working. And the solution was to try your best to make the old energy work. Old furniture, old energy, don't move around. I want it the way I want it. And they're the ones who said, I don't understand it, but it's kind of cute. <laughs> we can hardly wait to see what the furniture does tomorrow. And every day you leave, it decides to move yet again. That takes wisdom. In certain cases, it takes courage. This third attribute, the catalyst attribute, is the catalyst for balance in your life. Can you accept change as normal? I will tell you, dear ones, that if you can and you will, you are going to have a much more peaceful existence.
balance would change. Not tolerance, balance. Didn't ask you to tolerate it. Ask you to like it. Can you do that? Old soul, this is all part of what you've been trained for. All part of what you've been trained for. There are those in this room who are already used to change. You're okay with it. You've seen it in your life. And there are those who are simply now starting to see it. Everyone in the room, everyone listening is on a unique path of their own. You are not clumped together as one class at the same level. This is why I cannot give you like one generic rule for all. And I never will. There are different degrees of knowledge and wisdom. Number four. We told you that you're going to be fine. And do not despair. Except for one thing. The darkness, that is the dark consciousness of this planet, that which was always there and is rising its head today, knows your weakness. Clearly. It knows who you are as I do. And it will fight you with the one thing that it knows works really well. It's fear. If you're afraid, your light goes out. Brian, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of anything. Oh, really? <laughs> yes, you are. Now, there will be things that will test that fear. tested my partner with fear. Tested those of the crying entourage with fear. Fear is disabling. Fear is a quitting energy. Fear will take all the joy out of your life. And you'll be left with nothing you recognize and you won't even know who you are. I'm telling you, dear ones, that fear is what the darkness wants to create. Now, I also told you there's a solution to it. <laughs> fear cannot get in if light is being broadcast all the time. Do you hear me? It's time for you to stop protecting yourself by some imaginary shield from either dark energies or dark consciousnesses or anything else that you can imagine is trying to get to you and understand the new, the new parameters and the new paradigm. You broadcast light and you broadcasting light, nothing can get in, nothing. It's not about shielding anymore. You are now proactive. You're not sitting there trying to ward off the arrows coming from the darkness. You are light. When you have that consciousness, there is nothing that can get in. Nothing. For as long as the light is held, the darkness cannot get in. You understand that principle? It's a metaphor, but it is true. Your light is defined as your compassion factor, your wisdom factor, your joy factor. Don't let them put it out. Don't let them. That was number four. There are six, so we're almost done. We're racing through the whole year of training. 
then we started telling you about innate. We wanted you to know that whatever it was in the old energy, this is different. The smart body called innate is starting to increase in its efficiency. Bridges are starting to be built between the corporeal synaptic brain and the pineal. And what this means is that intuitive thought is going to become clearer. Do you know how the human being is really designed? I have said this before. It's so that your intuitive brain, that which is your pineal, is supposed to be as large a player in your reality as your corporeal synaptic brain. And that between the two of them, you have a balanced human being who can create synchronicity at will. Who understand what's wrong with their body and way in advance of a problem can take care of them. We'll see things coming before they happen because the intuitiveness of you can see it, a bigger picture. That's how it was designed. This is the beginning of that. Some of you are going to become more intuitive. In the process, it's different. Let me give you some symptoms of an intuitive brain starting to assert itself in a human being in a new energy. Sleeplessness, change of diet, walking funny lines on the street. In other words, balance issues. How are you doing so far? You don't change your biology this radically without symptoms. What does that create in you? Especially those of you who are getting older. Fear! <laughs> I'm losing it. Why is it the human being always goes to the dark when something changes? Change does not mean negative things. When you were a child, you can't even remember. And you started developing. And your body started to become bigger. Do you remember this? You celebrated it. You could hardly wait to be bigger. You could hardly wait for, for the things that you could do that, that you see the other children who were bigger done. You loved it. Now here comes change and you're older and you're afraid of it. I want you to understand, you're not done growing. <laughs> How would you like to do what the adults do on the other planets? You can hardly wait. Your innate wants to connect fully to you. And it's beginning in some of you. Don't let it be a worry. Let it connect. Your body is listening to everything, everything. It's not only listening to those things you tell it regarding the three dimensional things, but also the things that you simply think about. Your body listens. How are you doing in the self-worth department? What are you telling yourself? Are you telling yourself you are unlimited? That despite tradition and everything you see around you, you can last a whole lot longer than anyone around you will. Because you don't have to age. 
Now, when you say that, do you really believe it? Or is there a part of you that says, sounds good, how am I doing? Self-worth is the major issue of the old soul. And we've taught this over and over and over because you have spent so many lifetimes being beat up. <laughs> Physically, mentally. Here you come to this one and everything in you cries, it's going to be the same. And it isn't. How are you going to get through that? The answers vary from human to human. How balanced are you now? Can you balance and center to a point where you can talk to your body one-on-one -on -one and feel it responding? For the first time in human history, you have got a chemistry and an innate who is all ears and wants instruction. Ready to go, ready to go, ready to go. This is a new energy, dear ones. Test it. Test it. Simple things that you can do with yourself to test these things. Next time you feel ill, I want you to accelerate your healing and, and cut in half the number of days it takes to recover. Immediately. Talk to your name. Give them the deadline. <laughs> and watch it happen. When you do these simple things, you're going to ask yourself, what else can I do? What else can I do? Every single day, you can talk to your chemistry, your innate. Dear innate, I know you're there. And that brings us to number six, the hardest one. Here is a concept that we just opened. We just presented one week ago. Concept is a difficult one for anyone, anyone who calls themselves a rational human to figure out. There are two kinds of survival. The survival of the chemistry is your brain's job. It puts you in survival mode and keeps you safe and protects you as best it can. But there is another kind of survival that lays where you've never seen it before and innate is responsible for it. For innate is connected to the higher self. We're going to call this spiritual survival. How is it that innate could help humanity to get to a place where they were wiser, go to graduate and not determine themselves as, as ending through war? What is it that innate could do? What is the instinct that it could give humanity to keep them from destroying themselves, to keep them from, from going to that place where they've gone so many times before, where they never got ahead? And we told you what it was. And it was hard for you to hear. The engine of wisdom production in humanity has been reincarnation. Every time a human being reincarnates, they have the ability to pick up the wisdom from the past life, paste it on the current life, and become wiser for it. And they do. Old souls will 
will wake up if the energy is correct and right because of what they've experienced in past lives. You can track it. You can see it. New souls don't have the experience to understand what you understand. They don't feel innate. They don't feel the higher self. They're still wallowing in an old kind of survival. They're not interested in you are. Because you have reached a point. So many lifetimes have gone by. Every time you came in, you were just a little wiser than the time before. Do you understand what this created? Short lifetimes. <laughs> Take a look. Short lifetimes. Look at the logic of it. Spiritual survival for this planet to graduate to the place where it could be. If you had short lifetimes, you could come in again and you could come in again and you could come in again. The more times you came in, the wiser you'd be. This is what innate designed for you. How do you like that? Now suddenly, you pass that marker. And that spiritual survival doesn't need to be there anymore, but it lays there anyway, because you're designed that way. You've got to start reprogramming innate. Reprogramming the DNA. And the way you do it is through the energy of understanding, affirmation, belief, knowledge, intent. Your body knows what you know. You start talking to it and explaining in this new energy, you have the ability to move to a new wisdom and stay alive. How about that?
We are all servants of peace, everybody. Yes, we are all that. We are. And I just wanted to mention that if there's ever a time when you can't hear or something happens like that, always call BBS radio. Um, I don't have the number in front of me. Do you know what to, the number is to call mother? No. Um, well, uh, there are plenty of us that do, but we got a call that we couldn't be heard, but only came from one person. So I'm assuming that wasn't coming from anybody else's line. So I just wanted to bring that to contention. Here we go. Greetings, Mother. Greetings. In the light. In the light. Of the most radiant one. In the office of the Christ. And only in the office of the Christ. We invoke the loving energies of Saint Germain and Divine Flame. We ask at this time for all that is what for we would call the highest good of all concerned to happen here. And may it seal the door where evil dwells and that that shall be dissolved into the light. And that we all are one beingness on the same page and that any distractions can be identified and praised, respected, thanked, and loved for their service and again dissolved back into love. And I pass this talking stick to you, Mother. Greeting. Greeting. Children of Is that you too, Elsion? We are all here. Greetings. Greetings. Are the energies hot enough? <laughs> it's this moment, like Cryon was speaking of, 
here. The time is now. The shift is occurring as we speak. Everyone can feel it. This is rapidly awakening. These magnetic waves that are passing through every fiber of being right now. Let's say our own DNA strands are speaking to us, letting us know the transfiguration of the sun is at hand. Even if our conscious mind can grok what's occurring, this time around, like Kryon said, peace, that's just the beginning. about this transfiguration. Everything is possible within this moment of now. Time for all situations to be healed. It's occurring. The end of this timeline of war consciousness is at hand. Everybody's waking up, saying, stop the war in here. Upper shot's been playing with somebody's shoes over here. Make sure that it's not getting chewed up to the wrong degree. Oh. <laughs> okay, mother. That's good. <laughs> Gotta keep them busy. 
just like the universe is keeping all of us busy right now, working with the energies that are pouring in. This is the message, like, from Billy Carson to cry on every fiber of our consciousness is being lifted higher. And he also touched on something that as that consciousness, as we receive higher love, um, it caps the telemeter mirrors. In a sense, it prevents them from shortening, which causes end-of-life syndrome. And then there's a way also to lengthen the telomeres, which increases the life force and the extension of life. And how that occurs is you take your consciousness and merge with your telomeres, see them, feel them, taste them, touch them, become one, what it's like to be a telomere. As we take our journey through this temple of the living, essence of God, God is all that is. It is an enlightenment experience. Each strand of our DNA is already happening as many are waking up to the siddhas our gifts and abilities this guy calls them the Jedi powers what's happening is this shift that correlates with the sun at this present moment. All of the planets in the solar system. This is this time that has been spoken about. The age of the sixth sun. All the masters and teachers are here. As we ask ourselves to let go of the old programs, patterns, thought form energies that hold us in old timelines that are no longer 
viable in this present new frequency of all there is. Yes. Oh, I was just thinking about what's just happened here with this uh, now former Prime Minister Liz Truss. Oh. Um, before, yes. I mean, actually, on the 45th day, she resigned, so she really was only in office for 44 days. Yet the primary thing she did is she fired her finance minister, and she completely tanked the UK's economy. And it ain't getting better. It has to do with this system as Dr. Richard Wolf calls it. He is a doctor, professor. Well, he was granted a title of professor. Yes. Uh, and he is a professor, but he, he knows more than the ones that teach economics in the schools these days. Uh, yes. Yes. It is a system that is based in Professor Emeritus, isn't that the pro, the best word? Yes. Yeah, the the sickness is the system because it is designed like Patty and Kaya have described. It's something to celebrate, isn't it? That that it's just can't get back up off of its. Off of its, uh, off the floor, you might say. <laughs> it is time to put it to bed forever. <laughs> forever. Well, they have to take these ones. I forgot what Pommy was said. It was kind of funny. The, the, the Drake, Drake Hull shuttle. Is that what she said? <laughs> to, you know, uh, they're, yes. they're going, uh, away. They are yeah. being removed, uh, and in a in a in a real sense, it's by the reason of our own consciousness that we do not uh, subject subjugate ourselves to fear anymore. No, this concept of separation, xenophobia, the idea that one race is superior to another. They sing about it in the song, War No More Troubles, Bob Marley, Time to End the Issues about what we look like. It is an interesting dance that is being played out here. Folks are more comfortable talking to a man who has pale skin 
does not have fur or a <laughs> tail. <laughs> hmm. What's missing in this picture mm. is Lord, make me an instrument of thy peace. Where there is such hatred, let me so love. Mm -hmm. Time to end the issues about what we may look like, our skin color, our species. This is the key to how we can bring peace to this planet now. Let's say it's already being implemented per the captain's orders. He's got the word as he gives it. Mm. The show really starts in earnest and it already has. There are so many craft in the skies here of Mother Gaia. It is heartening to see the many craft. Yet, all we sort of hear about in the Hockey heads is hmm. It seems like the system is trying to privatize everything. Yes. From you know, lately they, they want to have control through the Republicans, and I was watching. You know, Lawrence O'Donnell was not here tonight. He was celebrating somebody's life. I forgot what it was, but but the thing is, is that. Um, it doesn't look too good for the Democrats. It looks like the Republicans, and that doesn't seem to compute. How are people thinking? It is that. But they don't not. They not only don't want Medicare or Social Security. They're talking about privatizing it and then completely getting rid of it completely. And uh, a few of these characters wanted to be gone within this next year. These Doesn't that mean that somebody's got to intervene, like the Galactic Forces and Mother Segment and the folks? We are already here. Call us in, as we keep saying. And we know you are. And we can say with great certainty and gratitude of what's about to occur where this magic show mm -hmm. of moving images are about to shift to the real show here called the multiverse and there are other multiverses interacting 
with this one. And hmm, Nassim speaks of this. Remnants of ancient universes upon ancient universes before this present one. The scientists can measure, detect shadows of former universes that are still here as you look further out into space from this vantage point of Earth, you look backwards in what you call time, since all time is now. Everything that is contained within the consciousness of this local universe is contained within us, just like Billy Carson said. Talk to the cells, talk to the particles, the DNA. It will speak back to you, tell you what it requires to fulfill its mission. We know the time is short with what's unfolding here. And we'll say... It's it, kind of like it's speeding up and we're being asked to slow down. <laughs> it's speeding up and we're being asked to just stay. Be still and know I am God, goddess, all it is. And in this now moment, all of a sudden, uh, you're having a conversation with Lord Krishna, and he is in his universal form in the way he showed up to Arjuna just before uh, they... Uh, did something that wasn't exactly according to cosmic law. Yet, Lord Krishna uh, chose to show Arjuna at that moment of the Mahabharata. Hmm. You want to go to war against your own family? The family of humanity here. All we are saying is give peace a chance. Greetings. In the light. Thank you, Mother. Of the, I know we, uh, yes we can. <laughs> so be it. So it is. <laughs> Good 
Adonai Basu Baragas Namaste Namaste Adonai So many things are changing right now. All the official sites are not necessarily capable of being accurate at this time because the kinds of shifts are going on are, as they call it, the shifts of the ages. It's uh, it's not normal. Oh. Hi, Rob. Oh. Where were thou? You dropped your crystal ball. Oh. It's down there somewhere. Okay. Um, where was I? Um, I just remember being in, um, an arboretum on the dog, and I was listening to these willow trees. And the willow trees were just whispering, and I could hear them. And they were just saying, roll with the energies, just allow it to take you where it needs to take you. And you will end up where you need to be. And I asked, where is it that we are needing to be? And the answer? Right, where we are. Oh, (laughs) that be here now guy. Uh, Be here now, be loved now. (laughs) I passed the talking stick. What was his name? I mean, Ram Dass. Ram Dass, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my God, it's hard to imagine him being over the rainbow, but that happened. I was talking to Ram Dass when I was 13. His name was Richard Albert at that time. He wasn't going around and having audiences, you know. Well, was he? he was going to the... Electric Kool-Aid acid tests, let's put it that way. Oh, he was doing that. I forgot about that. Yeah. And oh. let's what was his friend? That one Tim over. Leary. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Krishna Das. He's still around. He's still here. Yeah. Yeah. I like the music he plays. We should play some more. Yes. We should. I passed the talking stick. You passed the talking stick. Okay. (laughs) 
We are going to do Amy. George Monbiot's on there, and uh, Naomi Klein, we haven't heard from her for a long time. Talking about the situation in Egypt with the copt. With the what? Cop climate change. Um, Well, we're talking about uh, Al-Assisi locking up people that don't need to be locked up because they were telling something that Assisi didn't like. Right. And uh, the perseverance of being locked up and hopefully getting out without getting not here, those kinds of things. Just like Julian Assange is a political prisoner right now. And they're giving him those electric shocks on a regular basis. Wait the wire fire. We're all working through from a an agreement with the universe, and each one of us, as we keep our own agreements, then it progresses all. All get the results. We're we're a collective, a global oneness of beingness, and yes, we can do this. And it's called love. In the cells, everybody, Mm -hmm. in the cells. I didn't say hi in the cells. I said love in the cells. It can go, but coming from love. We don't, we think we need alternate substance. Uh, uh, yet as we engage together more in a unity way uh, that brings a kind of love that nothing else can surpass let's put it that way I'm so glad for us all right so let's be quiet and let's have uh, Miss Democracy now here I'm New York. This is Democracy Now! I've therefore spoken to His Majesty the King to notify him that I am resigning as leader of the Conservative Party. British Prime Minister Liz Truss resigns after a disastrous 45 days in office. A new Conservative Prime Minister could be picked by next week, but opposition parties are calling for an immediate general election. We'll go to the UK to speak with George Mambio. Then we look at the upcoming UN Climate Summit in Egypt. Inside the climate justice movement, we often talk about needing to build a politic that does not create sacrifice zones. Places and people who get trampled in the name of getting a law passed or a deal done. Yet many Egyptians today tell us that they feel they have become the new sacrifice zone. That their imprisoned loved ones are being sacrificed in the name of these negotiations. We'll speak with Naomi Klein and Sana Singh, the sister of Allah Abdel Fattah, Egypt's highest profile political prisoner. Sana and her sister Mona have been staging a sit-in in London in front of the British Foreign Affairs Office, seeking Britain's help to secure Allah's release. He is 
a Egyptian British citizen. Then we go to Florida to speak to law professor Kimberly Crenshaw and civil rights attorney Barbara Arnwine. They're on a 26 city arc of voter justice bus tour to increase voter registration and turnout ahead of the midterm elections. We're going to the lowest turnout districts in the cities, in the counties, in the parishes, in the townships. And we're saying, no! All that and more coming up. Welcome to Democracy Now!, democracynow.org, The War and Peace Report. I'm Amy Goodman. Britain's Labour Party is pushing for an immediate general election in the United Kingdom a day after Prime Minister Liz Truss announced her resignation less than seven weeks into her term. During her tenure as Britain's shortest reigning Prime Minister, Truss saw the value of the pound plummet while she pushed for sweeping tax cuts on the rich. Truss announced her resignation outside 10 Downing Street Thursday. Election to be completed within the next week. This will ensure that we remain on a path to deliver our fiscal plans and maintain our country's economic stability and national security. I will remain as Prime Minister until a successor has been chosen. Leading candidates to replace Truss include former Chancellor Rishi Sunak, House of Commons leader Penny Mordaunt, and even disgraced former Prime Minister Boris Johnson, who Truss replaced. After headlines, we'll go to the UK to speak with the author and activist George Mambio. In Chad, security forces shot and killed dozens of anti-government protesters Thursday in the country's two largest cities. Some 50 people were killed, hundreds injured. Protesters were demanding an end to transitional military rule and a return to democracy. Chad's been mired in a protracted political crisis following the death of former President Idris Demby, who was killed in the battlefield in April of last year. This all comes as Chad declared a state of emergency over catastrophic flooding that's demolished crops and livestock worsening food insecurity in the region. We subsist on selling milk to the surrounding population, but now there is not even enough to eat. Last year we saw our cows starve to death before our eyes. This year we are facing another disaster. The UN says five and a half million people in Chad are in need of emergency humanitarian aid. In Sudan, more than 150 people have been killed, scores more injured during two days of fighting in the southern state of Blue Nile. It's the latest in a series of clashes between the House of People and rival groups in southern Sudan that have left hundreds of people dead this year while driving tens of thousands from their homes. Ukraine faces a worsening energy crisis after a series of Russian attacks on critical infrastructure brought nationwide shortages of power and heat. On Thursday, that was done by Zelensky just correcting the report. Parties began limiting supplies of electricity between 7 a.m. and 11 p.m. Officials say one-third of Ukraine's power stations have been recently hit by missile and drone attacks. In Washington, State Department spokesperson Ned Price Thursday cited abundant evidence that Iranian military trainers are helping Russian forces carry out drone strikes. We assess that Iranian personnel, Iranian military personnel, were on the ground in Crimea and assisted Russia in these operations. Uh, Russia has received dozens of not, 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 not of these UAVs so far, and will likely continue to receive additional shipments uh, in the future. We're concerned that Russia may also seek to acquire advanced conventional weapons from Iran. 
Russian officials say Ukrainian forces firing U.S.-made HIMARS rockets killed six people and injured 10 others in the eastern Luhansk region earlier today. Meanwhile, in southern Ukraine, Russia says four civilians were killed, 13 others injured in missile attacks in the occupied city of Kherson. Meanwhile, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky has accused Russia of mining a massive hydroelectric dam upstream from Kherson with explosives and is calling for international monitors to ensure the security of the site. Ukraine's warned a breach of the dam could lead to catastrophic flooding downstream, impacting hundreds of thousands of people. It could also disrupt critical cooling systems at the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant, which relies on water from a reservoir created by the hydroelectric dam. In the occupied West Bank, Israeli forces shot and killed a Palestinian teenager during a raid on the northern city of Jenin. Salah al Braiki was 19 years old. Three other Palestinians were injured. Here in the United States, the ACLU is asking the Supreme Court to overturn an Arkansas law that penalizes people who engage in boycott, divestment, and sanctions, or BDS support. BDS seeks to boycott. Israel and Israeli goods to protest its violation of Palestinian rights. The ACLU says Arkansas's anti-BDS law violates the right to free speech. In Pakistan, former Prime Minister Imran Khan has been disqualified from holding office for five years. Pakistan's election commission accused Khan of corrupt practices for the resale of gifts he received while in power. Khan's party rejected the ruling and called on supporters to take to the streets. He was removed from power in April after a parliamentary vote of no confidence. Khan described the move as a form of U.S.-backed regime change. Here in the United States, two attempts to block President Biden's student loan debt relief plan were shut down Thursday. A federal judge in Missouri rejected a case brought by six Republican-led states that argued Biden overstepped his authority by bypassing Congress. Separately, Supreme Court Justice Amy Coney Barrett denied a challenge to the plan brought by a right-wing advocacy group. The Biden administration started accepting applications this week for up to $20,000 of individual relief for federal students. Loans. A federal appeals court said Thursday South Carolina Republican Senator Lindsey Graham must testify before a Georgia grand jury that's probing attempts by former President Trump and his allies to overturn the results of the 2020 presidential election. Fulton County prosecutors subpoenaed Senator Graham to testify about two calls he placed just after the 2020 election to Brad Raffensperger, Georgia's Republican Secretary of State. Raffensperger told reporters after the calls, Graham had hinted he should throw away ballots from areas where Joe Biden likely got more votes. In the Pacific Northwest, large wildfires in Oregon and Washington state have sent up massive plumes of smoke that brought some of the world's worst air quality to cities in the region. Mm. On Thursday, Seattle residents were warned to shutter windows, avoid exercise, and caution to wear masks outdoors. Portland and other cities issued similar warnings about unhealthy air quality. This is Brian Harvey, professor of forest sciences at University of Washington. As the climate continues to warm, we're going to see a lengthening of the fire season, and that's been shown in many regions around the globe. 
The Environmental Protection Agency is launching a civil rights investigation into whether the state of Mississippi discriminated against the majority black residents of Jackson when it refused to use federal funds to address the city's dangerous water crisis. The EPA said Thursday it's probing Mississippi's Department of Health and Department of Environmental Quality over its role in the crisis that left tens of thousands of mostly black households without drinking water. The main water treatment plant in Jackson was damaged after torrential rains and flooding in late August. Some viral videos show undrinkable brown liquid coming out of taps. In California, Los Angeles jury found former UCLA gynecologist James Heaps guilty of sexually abusing his patients. Hundreds of women have accused Heaps of sexual assault. In May, the University of California agreed to pay out a record $700 million to the survivors. Heaps now faces up to 28 years in prison when he is sentenced next month. And in labor news, a tentative agreement has been reached between thousands of unionized mental health care workers and Kaiser Permanente, the U.S.'s largest nonprofit health care organization, ending a two-month strike. The National Union of Healthcare Workers had been denouncing chronic staff shortages at Kaiser, forcing patients to wait months for an appointment. The strike began in August, led by thousands of workers in California. Kaiser Healthcare Workers in Hawaii, Oregon, and Washington State later joined. And those are some of the headlines. This is Democracy Now!, democracynow.org, The War and Peace Report. I'm Amy Goodman. We begin today's show in Britain, where Liz Truss has resigned as prime minister after just 45 days in office. During her time in office, the pound plummeted in value after she pushed for sweeping tax cuts on the rich. Truss announced her resignation outside 10 Downing Street Thursday. I was elected by the Conservative Party with a mandate to change this. We delivered on energy bills and on cutting national insurance. And we set out a vision for a low-tax, high-growth economy that would take advantage of the freedoms of Brexit. I recognise, though, given the situation, I cannot deliver the mandate on which I was elected by the Conservative Party. I have therefore spoken to His Majesty the King to notify him that I am resigning as leader of the Conservative Party. Truss is the shortest serving prime minister in the history of the United Kingdom. The Conservative Party is aiming to pick a new prime minister within a week. Many analysts say the leading candidates to replace Truss include the former Chancellor Rishi Sunak, the House of Commons leader Penny Mordaunt, and former Prime Minister Boris Johnson. Oh. trust replaced. Yes. Meanwhile, the Labour Party and other opposition parties are pushing for an immediate general election. We're joined now by George Mambio, the author, activist, and Guardian columnist. His recent piece is headlined on part of the anti-growth coalition Liz Truss Loves to Hate and I'm Proud of It. His latest book, Regenesis, Feeding the World Without Devouring the Planet. George, welcome back to Democracy Now! Talk about what just happened. Although she had to go. What happened was that Liz Truss um, applied pure neoliberal theory in the expectation that it would act as a kind of magic dust which would create massive growth and prosperity in this country just as neoliberal theory predicted. Her policies were shaped by opaquely funded lobby groups, the Institute of Economic Affairs, the Taxpayers Alliance, the Adam Smith Institute, 
um, Centre for Policy Studies, all, all of which boasted on September the 23rd, when a mini-budget was published, that they'd got exactly what they wanted and that they themselves were the authors of those policies. Clearly, they're now trying to distance themselves. And, and what they've been trying to do throughout their existence is to sweep away taxes on the rich, to sweep away regulations, to sweep away trade unions, to sweep away protest and other fundamental civic rights and create what they think of as a pure market economy, which really means allowing the rich to overwhelm democracy. It means plutocracy rather than democracy. Yes. Now, in, in the past, successive prime ministers have had similar agendas, but they've also had to temper them slightly because they have some more or less realistic appreciation of what the public might be able to tolerate. But Liz Truss, her great failing from the point of view of being a politician was she's completely unable to read people. She seems to have no social antennae at all and no concept of what she might be doing to other people. I, I believe she's entirely devoid of empathy. Yeah. And, and so she didn't try to disguise her agenda. She didn't try to wrap it up in platitudes. She just forced it through. And interestingly, for someone who believes that the markets should have the final word on everything, the markets had the final word on this trust because she tanked the economy. Yeah. So now talk about what's going to happen. The speculation that Boris Johnson could actually replace her, he's just returned from holiday. Talk about Rishi Sunak and the others and uh, whether there are differences between them. It's a quite extraordinary thing in this country that you know, we can have a new prime minister without it ever being put to the people. Um, without any of their policies being approved by the people, the only people who get a vote on this are members of the Conservative Party, believed to be about 160,000 of them, a majority of whom, a small majority of whom voted for this trust. So that's 0.1% of our population. And any one of these completely discredited characters could be brought back in as our Prime Minister without any of us having a say over it. And this horrifying prospect that Boris Johnson, like Berlusconi or Netanyahu, this ghost who constantly haunts our politics, this bad memory we try to put behind us but just keeps coming back, that he could once again be our Prime Minister, oh, having presided over a disaster even greater than those which Liz Truss caused. His uh, completely useless COVID policies killed tens of thousands of people who would otherwise have been alive. He lied and he lied and he lied about everything. I mean, he's a pathological liar. And while the rest of us were locked down and trying our best to ensure that the infection wasn't spreading, he was having party after party in Downing Street. And basically, the law is for the little people, not for me. And so he is the first prime minister we've ever had who received a criminal sanction while in office. As prime minister, he acquired a criminal record where he was fined for just one of those parties, which incidentally he lied about repeatedly in Parliament as well. But they want to bring this man back. I mean, it shows just how totally corrupt, intellectually bankrupt, morally bankrupt the Conservative Party has become. And explain who Rishi Sunak is, a person who lost out to Liz Truss, uh, the uh, former chancellor. Yeah. 
So he's the richest member of parliament in the United Kingdom. Um, um, his net worth, with, along with his wife's, who inherited this huge fortune, um, amounts to hundreds of millions of dollars. He's got homes all over the country, um, including a giant home in the poshest part of London, entirely reserved for visitors, so that they can put up their guests in this home, in, in a country which has got a massive housing crisis. He too was fined um, over um, illegal parties um, when he was Chancellor of the Exchequer, um, in other words, the Treasury Secretary in the United Kingdom. And he also seems to have no concept of how people live, no concept of what it is to be pushed towards destitution as millions in this country are being pushed. And you know, he's another candidate of the ultra-rich. He is himself ultra-rich, and he represents the ultra-rich. He does not represent the people of this nation. And the possibility that there would be a general election. And what about the Labour Party's Keir Starmer? Um, though it is called the Labour Party, he recently told Labour politicians not to join the recent railway workers picket line. Yes, in fact, he sacked one of his own shadow cabinet um, members um, for attending a, a, um, a, a strike, uh, which is severing the Labour Party from its roots, which were in the Labour movement, as the name suggests. So um, you would think that we would have a general election after all this chaos, after, well, we're going to now have our third prime minister since the last general election. But that's not how it works in this country, because we are a democracy in name only. Yeah. And um, we, uh, the only two ways in which we could get a general election would be if the government were to call one, and given that it's about 50 points behind the polls, that seems unlikely, or if there's a no-confidence vote in the government passed in the House of Commons, but given that they have an 80-seat majority, that too seems unlikely. So the merry-go-round merry begins again. And, you know, the really terrifying thing is not so much who's in charge, but what they're able to pass in terms of legislation while they are Prime Minister. And something which has scarcely been reported in the press here, I mean, it's just, it, it beggars belief that we're not all screaming about this, was the Public Order Bill, which was passed through the House of Commons just a few days ago by the Home Secretary the day before she was pushed out of office, like all Tory casualised well, workers in, 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 our, in our Tory economy, as soon as she'd done, done the business, she was chucked out. And this public order bill is the most repressive legislation ever experienced in the UK in the modern era, and potentially the most repressive legislation in any OECD member in recent times. If you have protested in the previous five years, you can be forced to wear an electronic tag and to have your home fitted with monitoring equipment, you can be forced to report to the police as and when they choose. You can be forced to stay at home. You can be forced not to go to certain places. You are no longer to associate with, with um, friends of yours. You're no longer allowed to attend any protest or indeed to talk about attending a protest or encourage anyone else to attend a protest. Uh, this is just one of the astonishingly draconian measures which has been pushed through um, right under the radar um, just before the trust government collapsed.
Finally, George Mafia, I wanted to ask about your recent column in The Guardian titled, Do We Really Care More About Van Gogh's Sunflowers Than Real Ones? You write about the two climate activists who recently threw cans of tomato soup onto Vincent van Gogh's sunflowers painting at the London National Gallery to call out the UK government's role in fueling the climate catastrophe. Your final thoughts? Yeah, so this is desperation. Young people are absolutely desperate. What does it take to be heard about this? What does it take to point out that Earth systems are collapsing? And people have expressed utter horror about this soup throwing, which incidentally did no damage at all to the painting as the activists calculated because it was protected by a perspex shield. Um, But much less horror about the prospect of losing the habitable planet. And I, I think, well, you know, I greatly value art and we should protect it. But I don't understand why we're not protecting the planet, um, but, by, but with the same criteria, why we're not applying the same standards of protection to life on Earth. George Mambio, we want to thank you for being with us, author, activist, and guardian columnist. We'll link to your columns at democracynow.org, speaking to us from Devon, England. Next up, we look at the upcoming UN Climate Summit in Egypt, but we're going to stay in Britain. Um, We're going to speak with Naomi Klein, who's in British Columbia, and Sanat Seif, the sister of Ala Abdel Fattah, Egypt's highest profile political prisoner. Um, Sanat and her sister Mona are staging a sit-in in London to seek Britain's help in securing Ala's release. Stay with us. Now, democracynow.org, the War and Peace Report. I'm Amy Goodman. The next UN Climate Summit begins in just over two weeks, November 6th, in Sharm el Sheikh, Egypt. A broad coalition has appealed to the military dictatorship of Abdel Fattah al Sisi to allow participation of civic and environmental groups and for the release of Egypt's many political prisoners, including the human rights activist Ala Abdel Fattah. He's one of Egypt's high-profile political prisoners, rose to prominence during Egypt's 2011 uprising. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're here to say that the revolution must continue. You know that there's still injustice. The revolution is great and has achieved a lot of big things because of all of our effort. But as you know, injustice is still right. Allah has uh, been in prison for most of the last decade. Uh, He is now serving a five-year prison sentence convicted of, quote, undermining national security. Um, Yes, in prison for most of the past decade for his activism. He's been on a hunger strike now for over 200 days. Earlier this week, his sister... 
Dusana and Monasek began a sit-in outside the British Foreign Affairs Office to demand Britain help secure the release of Allah, who, like them, has British citizenship. During a recent web event hosted by The Intercept, Monasek read a letter that Allah had sent from prison. The first idea in the letter was that the globe must and north will not do anything that involves a sacrifice of prosperity or competitive advantage, nor will they gamble with their political institutional stability. This isn't just because of the greed of big capitalists, but because of the composition of their societies. Decision makers know this. They accept it and they reproduce it. The only actions they can take are actions that are potentially profitable, like the dream of green economy, or that tap into technical solutions that don't require social change. The last part of the letter said that we Africans, mainly Africans because the Arabs at this juncture will be bogged down with the petroleum state's efforts to maximize their economic gains and translate them into ever more extreme strategic adventures for fear of the consequences of the shift away from fossil fuels, i.e. for fear of having to face the realities of the desert without petroleumers. We Africans, well, we don't have any real impact. We're not the cause of the disaster. We have no leverage. We have no leverage over the countries that are the cause. We don't have the way to propose solutions, nor sadly the institutions necessary to protect our continent and societies from the looming catastrophes. Again, that was Mona Seif reading a letter from her imprisoned brother, Ala Abdel Fattah. We're joined now by Ala's sister, Sanet who joins us from London, where she and Mona have been conducting a sit-in in front of the British Foreign Affairs Office. We're also joined by Naomi Klein, senior contributing writer at The Intercept and University of British Columbia professor of climate justice. Her new piece is published by The Intercept and The Guardian, headlined Greenwashing a Police State, The Truth Behind Egypt's COP27 Masquerade. But we're going to Senate first in London. Thank you for walking over to the studio as Mona holds down the sit-in fort, so to speak, um, in front of the Foreign Affairs Office, Sana. Talk about why you've begun this protest. Hi, Amy. Thank you. Uh, I began it uh, uh, because I continued 200 days of Portugal hunger strike, and I'm really worried that... We don't have much time left, but also because uh, in 20 days, or now 17 days, our government here will be sending uh, a delegation to COP, to the climate conference, and I'm really worried about uh, if they just go and engage diplomacy as usual, that uh, the Egyptian authorities will take this as a green light to let Alaa die. And so I want to put pressure on the foreign office to, so, they, so that they put Saleh high up on their agenda uh, on their trip to COP. Now, I should say, Sana, you yourself were in prison for over three years. Now you're out and have just led a campaign. Um, we're recently in the United States where we interviewed. You've been speaking with many Congress members now in London. Stop, talk why... Britain uh, is so important for your brother's release. Talk about all of your citizenship. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> yeah, that were dual nationals, were Egyptian and British, and so the British government um, is basically negotiating on our uh, on 
help from the families, we have. There has been precedents before with the, uh, with the French, with the Americans, uh, political prisoners in Egypt, that uh, their, their other government would negotiate their release and they would be like uh, extradited, sent to, deported to their, their other country of residence. Um, technically as criminals, but, also, but of course when they go to the other country they're not regarded as criminals. Uh, and that's what we're pushing the British government to do, to negotiate for Alex's release, to, to basically say we want our citizen. Um, what's happening is that the Egyptian authorities are very uh, uh, reluctant and they're not even allowing the British uh, embassy to visit Alex in prison, they're not allowing them consular access. And now they're just... <clears throat> bluntly saying that uh, we, we don't acknowledge the Alex British citizenship because he hasn't, uh, like, he didn't take the Egyptian authorities' permission to apply for a British citizenship. So um, the Egyptian authorities are escalating and the British are not, are not pushing back. And what does this uh, change of prime minister mean for you? I mean, I assume that people are racing past you up and down the stairs of the British Foreign Office, uh, not covering you, but covering what's going on with Liz Truss resigning. What role did they play in granting him citizenship? And what does this mean? Is this a setback or will it help? The people I'm 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 sitting to be a reminder for are actually civil servants, so my sitting still is valid. But of course, the instability uh, um, and it's been since also like the last day of Boris, the instability makes the Egyptian authorities kind of don't take it seriously. Um, um, what happened to the British pound was like the negotiations and IMF negotiations. Uh, we heard that the Egyptian officials were saying like. Uh, we're making fun of the British pound, so it doesn't help Britain's image uh, in the world in general. But uh, but the people I'm trying to put pressure on are still in office, and uh, and they're mainly the civil servants who prepare the paperwork and who give the advice for whoever will be minister. So it's still valid. And members of parliament like David Lamy have joined you um, at your sit-in. Now, I wanted to ask about Allah's health. 200 days on hunger strike and where he's being held. How is he? So Allah um, has been living on 100 calories a day. So it, his body took time. Uh, hundred kinds of liquid, um, basically uh, honey uh, on his uh, tea or uh, skimmed milk. So the degradation, like it, it was slow. But uh, last I saw him was in August, and he already looked very weak. And my mom saw him recently because she's in Cairo. Um, he, she said he basically looks like a, he's, he looks like a skeleton. He, he looks like uh, skin on bones. His mind is still alert. He's, um, he, he feels better than he looks, and he says that he he thinks he can endure more. But he looks really scary, and I, we're not sure how much how much time is left. We're not sure his body can take uh, how much longer. And um, the prison authority, the, like the prison administration will not acknowledge Alex's hunger strike, so they don't they don't do any medical checkups or any of that. They even sent like a fraudulent medical report to the British Embassy in July 
uh, dated uh, uh, on a date where Alec wasn't checked. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm really worried that when, because it's inevitable, it's sooner or later, it will happen, and it's probably very soon when Alec's body collapses. I'm not sure if, if they will act uh, urgently. Um, but the, the thing that uh, I always remind myself of and uh, to call myself is that there is a camera 24-7 in Alice's cell. Of course, that's a bad thing for any normal inmate, but in our case, um, this should mean that Alice is under supervision. But yeah, the situation is desperate. Sana, I want to bring in Naomi Klein. Um, Naomi Klein is senior contributing writer at The Intercept, professor of climate justice at the University of British Columbia. Naomi, you wrote a piece in The Intercept and The Guardian, Greenwashing a Police State, the Truth Behind Egypt's COP27 Masquerade. You point out that for the tens of thousands of people that will be at the climate summit in Sharm el-Sheikh, Democracy Now!, of course, will be covering it and will be there. that number may well be less than the number of political prisoners prisoners in uh, Egypt's jails. Can you talk more about this? Yeah. Hi, Amy. Good to be with you. And hi, Sana. Um, I, I, uh, I think that number is really important because you hear these figures thrown around and it's hard to wrap your head around it. But as you know, Amy, from covering cops now for, for, for more than a decade, um, they really are kind of like a city within a city. Uh, they're huge. They're, there's going to be around um, more than 35,000 uh, um, delegates. And this is a combination of government negotiators and activists and NGOs, envoys of all kinds, and a few world leaders mixed in, um, you know, environment ministers the world over. Uh, so it will just be very, very large. Um, but that will be about half the number of estimated political prisoners in Egypt, which is estimated to be around 60,000. Um, you know, Human Rights Watch, amnesty groups that are following this will be quick to say that that, that because of uh, the total lack of transparency, it's very, very hard to know whether it, it could, could be many, many more. Um, so this is the political context. So the, the pieces that, that you mentioned are, I'm arguing that this really crosses a new red line. Um, there's often repression during cops, there's often arrests, but the stakes of those arrests are completely different in Egypt. Um, but, but more than that, this is a country, the most repressive regime in modern Egyptian history, that is at active war with the very idea of civil society. And civil society is a key partner, is a key um, element in these climate summits. It's not like holding the Olympics or the World Cup. I mean, this activism, um, research, uh, freedom of speech, it, it's absolutely integral to the negotiations themselves. Um, and there's going to be this extraordinary cognitive dissonance when people go to Egypt in it's less than two weeks now, um, because there'll be a sort of a show that's going on at Sharm el-Sheikh. There will be some members of Egyptian civil society, there will be youth leaders, there will be people uh, you know, holding signs and, and, and seemingly free to say things, um, but it will be extremely kind of scripted and constrained uh, because 
the Egyptian groups that have been allowed into that space, they have overwhelmingly been vetted by the Egyptian government. And according to Human Rights Watch's uh, research, there are certain kinds of environmental issues that are considered um, sort of welcome is the word that they use, topics, and those are things like recycling, um, picking up litter, uh, um, uh, advocating for solar panels, advocating for climate finance that would enrich this regime. But what is not welcome would be pointing out the enormous lucrative network of deals that the military itself is engaged in that are linked to fossil fuels, that are linked to um, destroying uh, remaining green space in cities like Cairo, uh, that, are, that are building coal-powered cement plants and so on. None of that is welcome. And indeed, even just doing the research to say what is going on in Egypt could land you with a death sentence under the current regime. Uh, I was looking at a retweet of yours. You retweeted... Um Jillian Keegan, who said, young voices need to be heard this morning. I met with Egyptian youth climate leaders, amazing people with inspiring ideas. At COP27, we must remember the energy and passion of young people and ensure it drives us forward. And you retweeted uh, it with this comment. This is exactly the greenwash, rights wash LCC wants out of COP27 while thousands of young activists suffer in the torture chambers. What an absolute disgrace. Hashtag free Allah. Talk more about this and the connection of the issue of human rights to climate activism and who won't be at the summit, not because they're thousands of miles away, that's another issue, but Egyptian activists. Sure. Um, and so that can speak about this um, much better than I, but that was, that, that was a, a British, uh, um, uh, um, I believe she, she's the honorable woman for Africa under, I don't know what her position is today because of course the British government is in complete collapse. Um, and, and I didn't mean any disrespect to the young climate leaders who were having their picture taken with her, but this is the kind of photo op that is being staged by LCC. I think that young activists are being put in an absolutely untenable position inside Egypt and outside Egypt. Um, they didn't choose for this for, the, for this summit to be in Egypt. That was a decision, and I think a terrible one made by uh, the UNFCCC Secretariat, the UN Framework Convention on Climate Change. Um, you know. The, Holding a COP, holding a, a, this huge summit, it's, it's a big economic boom for a country, it's a big PR boom for a country. Uh, there should be conditions attached to it. There should be some minimum human rights criteria um, that for, for any country that is going to be hosting a COP. And obviously, Egypt would not meet that. Um, but so so the irony, you know, Sanaa is with us. Sanaa you know, is a hero in her own right. Um, Sanaa, you know, was one of the young people who took Tucker Square in 2011 and were the toast of the world, right? I mean, Democracy Now! was covering it wall to wall, so was CNN, so was The Daily Show. They were the great hope, the Arab Spring. And I was just 17 at the time. There were 14-year-olds in the square. And so the irony of this regime holding up their youth leaders and calling and saying that they're going to be speaking, and this is a direct quote from the COP website, it will, that they will be speaking truth to power in Egypt, while thousands upon thousands of, of young people are in LCC's torture chambers. It's just a kind of, it is Orwellian in, 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 in the dissonance. Um, 
in some of the last letters from, from prison, he talks about how some of his cellmates are just 17 themselves and have been in prison since they were kids. I wanted so I think just one thing I would add is that yesterday Greta Thunberg tweeted in solidarity um, with with Egypt's prisoners of conscience and 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 um, you know said use the hashtag free them all, um, which I think is really a very profound uh, act and statement of solidarity from one youth leader to others behind bars. I want to end with Sana, but first I want to play the words of Allah Abdel Fattah in his own words. All that's asked of us is that we insist on standing up for what's right. We're not required to be victorious in our stand for what's right. We're not required to be strong as we stand for what's right. We're not required to be rehearsed in our stand for what's right. We're not required to have a good plan or good organization. All that's asked of us is that we insist on standing up for what's right. That from your from Allah's father's memorial in 2014, um, briefly released to be able to attend. I know this is very painful for you, son, as you talk about your brother, more than 200 days on hunger strike. Um, your dad died in 2014. His son was born, is that right, when he was in prison earlier? Yeah. <clears throat> Um, Your final thoughts well, thank as you head back to the sitter. Yeah, um, I, I wanted to stress on what Naomi was saying, that uh, it's really important to, to use this uh, event to shed light on the human rights situation in Egypt. The repercussions are going to happen anyway. That cannot be saved, unfortunately, but they can be less. Right now, the repercussions are starting to happen. Um, um, police forces have started has, have started uh, around uh, in, in several neighborhoods in the city of Cairo, in the capital, have started uh, stopping. Uh, people in the street and checking their mobile phones to see like their what what they write on Facebook. We usually have this. Uh, they do this around the anniversary of the revolution, and that's the month where everybody who was part of the revolution would wipe their phones, would uh, stay <clears throat> uh, in a different address. Um, everybody believes that uh, this uh, <laughs> this oppressive technique has started early uh, this year because a cop is happening in Egypt. So I I just want to. Urge anybody going uh, uh, to keep that in mind that people in Egypt are going to pay a very heavy price for that event, and so it's really important to be critical and it's really important to speak up. And I'm really thankful to everybody doing that, like Naomi and Greta, uh, because first it could ease the repercussions. Secondly, while we face those repercussions, uh, we we should at least feel the warmth of solidarity. And as uh, collectively, all of us around the planet, the, this we could create, it could be a good lesson learned for the future uh, climate conferences that, uh, that that there is a, there are requirements for the host country so that uh, the next years, there are no other countries that are basically sacrificed souls. Um, the next year, COP will be in UAE, which would be a much bigger challenge. So, uh, yeah, um, it's really important to shed light on the human rights situation in Egypt now. Well, Sana Saif, I want to thank you so much for being with us. You're incredibly brave. You yourself have been in prison for more than three years. I've also been on hunger strikes. It's 
17, as Naomi was saying, you were out in Tucker Square giving out your high school newspaper, um, opposing um, uh, the regime. Uh, also one of the editors of uh, the Oscar-nominated film, The Square, about Tahrir Sanasef, joining us from London, where she and her sister Mona are leading um, a sit-in for her brother's release on hunger strike for more than 200 days, their mother in Egypt, because they always have one family member there to be near Allah, though he is in prison. And Naomi Klein, thanks so much for joining us from British Columbia, senior contributing writer at The Intercept, professor of climate justice at the University of British Columbia. Naomi wrote the foreword to uh, Allah's book that was just recently released, You Have Not Yet Been Defeated. And we will link, Naomi, to your Guardian Intercept piece, Greenwashing a Police State, The Truth Behind Egypt's COP27 Masquerade. Next up, we go to Florida to speak with law professor Kimberly Crenshaw and civil rights attorney Barbara Arnwine, who are on a 26-city tour to increase voter registration and turnout ahead of the midterm elections. Stay with us. Report. I'm Amy Goodman. The midterm elections, less than three weeks away, will determine the balance of power in Congress, and black voters could play a key role. Black voters helped Democrats flip two Senate seats that gave them control of the Senate in Georgia's 2020 special runoff election. Democratic Senator Reverend Raphael Warnock of Georgia now faces Republican challenger Herschel Walker. This comes as Georgia's Republican Governor Brian Kemp is fighting for re-election against Democrat and voting rights advocate Stacey Abrams in a rematch after he signed into law new restrictions that disproportionately disenfranchise voters of color. Um, it was one of many voter suppression efforts in Republican-led states. In Florida, Republican Governor Ron DeSantis' election police unit, that's right, he has set up an election police unit, has arrested people for voting. Florida law allows formerly incarcerated people to vote unless they were convicted of murder or felony sex offenses. Those arrested say Florida officials encourage them to vote and didn't know about the exclusion. This is police body cam footage of Tampa resident Tony Patterson and his arresting officer recently obtained by the Tampa Bay Times. Apparently, I, I guess you have a warrant. For what? I'm not sure. Voters, though. Voters, it's what it is. It, I think the agents from FDLE talked to you last week about some voter fraud, voter stuff, when you weren't supposed to be voting, maybe. It's just crazy, man. Don't put me in jail for something I didn't know nothing about. Why would y'all let me vote if I wasn't uh, able to vote? For more, we're joined.
joined by two guests. We're on a 26-city ARC of Voter Justice bus tour. They're joining us from Jacksonville, Florida, uh, on one of their tour stops. Barbara Arnwine is city is a civil rights lawyer, president of the Transformative Justice Coalition. And Kimberly Crenshaw is distributing banned books en route as part of From Freedom Riders to Freedom Readers, the Books Unbanned Tour. She's also executive director of the American uh, the African American Policy Forum, a professor of law at UCLA and Columbia University. We'll welcome you both to Democracy Now. Um, Barbara Online, your hashtag is 10 million more black votes. How are you doing this? Oh, we're doing it in two ways. One is we're registering new voters. There's something like 6 million unregistered African-American voters in this country. And we're also saying to those who are registered, 35% who don't vote, that you've got to show up and show out every election. Don't only vote presidential. Vote in the midterms. It's so critical. Vote the whole ballot. Don't only focus on the top positions. But well, no matter what you do, vote. No matter what you do, make sure you're registered. No matter what you do, vote. And can you talk, Kimberly Crenshaw, about how you're linking these two issues, the banned book tour uh, from Freedom Riders to Freedom Readers, and why that's so critical when we're talking about voter turnout and voter registration? Well, Amy, it's, it's no secret that our democracy is in crisis. The efforts to suppress black voting, the efforts to gerrymander districts, this is all part of a democracy that's in deep trouble. But what a lot of people don't realize is that the same people who are trying to gerrymander our districts are trying to gerrymander our history. The same people who want to change the outcomes of elections want to change the story of, of us, the, the material, the books that tell the full story about America. So we've decided that because there is no daylight between uh, uh, racial justice and a fully multiracial democracy, we were going to join this tour to provide the information, the books that those who are anti-Democrats don't want us to know. So we're passing out 6,000 books Titles that have been banned in many of the states that we're in, ranging from the autobiography of Ruby Bridges, the six-year-old who integrated schools in New Orleans, to classics like Toni Morrison's The Bluest Eye um, or Ta-Nehisi Coates, Between the World and Me. People need to understand what is behind this effort to ban what they call critical race theory, what they're essentially doing is banning the telling of our history and its contemporary consequences. We think when voters know exactly what they're trying to do, they will show up. And as Barbara said, they will show out. And so can you talk about the response? I mean, uh, you're right now actually in Jekyll Island, Georgia, headed to Jacksonville. Georgia is, to say the least, all eyes are on this state. When you have this race between um, Herschel Walker uh, and Reverend Raphael Warnock, Reverend Raphael Warnock just won uh, two years ago, but now will run for a full Senate term, um, this all all of the attention on this. Uh, can you talk, Barbara Arnwine, about the significance of this race and some of the other ones that you're tracking? 
Well, obviously, African-American voters are key to all these races because, and it's, you know, we're nonpartisan and we believe that if African-Americans vote, they'll vote correctly because they're going to vote what's in the best interest, not only of their community, but the entire nation. That's one thing we know about African-American voters. They think broadly, especially African-American women voters have a real sense of social justice for all. So it's really important to mobilize this block. And what we're seeing already in Georgia is an incredible, unprecedented, historic turnout of African-American voters. They are 37 percent of the current early voting percentages. That's an increase significantly from being 29 percent in the 2018 midterm elections. So African-Americans are hearing us. We've been going to communities that have the lowest voter turnout and saying your vote matters. Don't, it doesn't matter if all the candidates don't come to see you because they don't consider you high propensity voters. We consider you the most important voters. Register, vote. So yesterday we did our voter cave and we went through some of the poorest, most depressed areas in Brunswick, you should have seen the people. This is like what we've been seeing everywhere. They came out, they were clapping, they were giving the power fist, they were yelling, they were screaming, they were so excited that somebody considered them important. Somebody was coming directly to them and saying, vote, it matters. It was just beautiful. That is the experience we've had in Richmond where we were on motorcycles driving through the city uh, with the uh, Buffalo Soldiers and, uh, you know, long, six-block long, uh, you know, motorcade. Uh, It's been amazing. When people see the John Lewis buses, they honk on the freeways at us. They honk as we roll because people get the message. They're so happy to see somebody saying vote in a positive way, not about candidates, just about the fact that as Americans and as the fact that we care and love our democracy, that it demands that we participate, that we vote. Kimberly Crenshaw, you are in Georgia. That other key race is the rematch between the longtime voting rights activist Stacey Abrams and Brian Kemp, the governor for the governorship of Georgia. Um, The significance of this race and you're visiting these sites of white supremacist terror from the Mother Emanuel Church in Charleston, South Carolina, um, to talk about the places that you have been. Yes, we, we, we visited um, a Wilmington, uh, which is uh, the site of a racial uh, coup uh, in 1898. And, and one of the reasons that was just so significant to us, uh, the African-American Policy Forum, uh, yes, uh, w- was that you know, when we had the January 6th attempted coup, there were a lot of pundits, including our, our president, who said, this is not who we are. And it is evidence of the fact that when our history has been erased, we don't know that we're heading in the same direction. In fact, violent coups are exactly who we've been. Um, But when we went to Wilmington and looked at the site where the coup began, where a newspaper was burned to the ground and countless numbers of African-Americans were killed and a duly elected biracial government was deposed, 
There's no marker there. There's no placard. There's no, this is what happened. And that same sentiment, that erasure of our history is what is behind these book bans and behind the effort uh, to challenge uh, the 1619 Project. It is, in fact, an effort to make racism unspeakable. And our position has been that when racism is unspeakable, then democracy, a full multiracial democracy is unachievable. There is no daylight between the two, even though when people think and talk about is our country going to the edge? Can it happen here? A lot of people say it can't, but that's just telling us that they don't realize that black history and American history are one and the same. It has happened here, and unless we understand its legacy and its implication today, it's on the way of happening here again, and that's what we cannot allow to happen. Talk about your plans in Florida and that video we played in the introduction, astounding story um, of what uh, the governor has done in having arrested uh, with his election police, arresting people who are attempting to vote. They said these uh, men who were in prison and came out that they can register, and if they qualify, because they didn't know if they did because they had served time in jail, um, they will be allowed to vote. And then they were handcuffed and arrested for voting. Your response? Well, they were handcuffed and arrested for voting while they had in their hands their voting cards. Now, if you're sent a voting card by your county register, wouldn't you assume that that means you have the right to vote? So the fact that DeSantis, uh, you know, people here call him DeSatan, has decided <laughs> that he wants to use the and play the race card by having mostly black, look at who he's arresting. It's not just, you know, uh, whites, because more whites have been affected by these felony disenfranchisement laws than blacks, but he's mainly arresting black people. Uh, that he's playing the race card because he wants to be president. And doesn't that say something ill about the, the concept of our democracy, the concept of who we are, that we want a person who is using race? Because we it worked before, right, with Trump. So they're saying, okay, we'll do it again. We have to leave it there, but I want to thank you so much for being with us. Barbara Arnwine, civil rights lawyer with Transformative Justice Coalition, and Kimberly Crenshaw, executive director of the African American Policy Forum and professor of law at UCLA and Columbia University, speaking to us from Jekyll Island, Georgia. I mean, I first found... Okay. We're going to jump right in here. We've got just enough time to, to play this. Tell everybody what we're going to do here. This is called nice break, and loud. This is called Breaking News. Dr. Greer announces discovery of four new energy technologies that could save the Earth. All right. Here we go. Let's do it. Hello, Dr. Greer. Hello, Pat. How are you doing today? Good. Good. So, Dr. Greer, you have a lecture coming up that's um, pretty important for the, um, actually, for the energy of the world. So, would you like to talk about this a little bit and let us know what, what's going on? Yes, I mean, this is October 25th, and uh, the event is sold out at Santa Monica uh, Auditorium. However, uh, you can get on and do the webinar. Uh, it's going to be a two-hour uh, special that is also going to be filmed as the sort of underlying uh, 
backbone of this new uh, feature film we're working on called The Lost Century. And the subtitle of that is and How to Reclaim It. So this is going to be an expose uh, like there has never been done on the exotic technologies of the last 100 years that uh, could save the biosphere and uh, eliminate poverty globally within 20 years if they could be disclosed or brought forward. So that's what this is going to be focused on. And it's, it's really geared towards, uh, without going too much into science and physics that the public wouldn't understand, uh, unless you're a physicist, uh, the, the evidence for these technologies. And we're going to basically review all the way back more than 100 years ago when there were some of these technologies being developed and what happened to them. And all the way up to, uh, this is a big breaking news I want to uh, announce, the fact that our team has now identified in the last few months four currently operational devices that are solid state, any one of which would be a complete game changer uh, on the planet if they could be uh, properly and, and rather massively disclosed. So we'll be hearing about that also on uh, at this presentation. You know, all of everybody just needs to understand our these films that we're doing are all crowdfunded, which means that it's through the contributions of the public that we're able to do them. So we hope you'll go. There should be a link here underneath this YouTube site um, uh, header that you can go to to contribute to the crowdfunding because uh, we want to raise uh, at least five hundred thousand dollars to do this. A feature film and also will probably need an equal amount to get the word out about it. So anybody who's listening, if you, if you can give a very small amount, it would be very helpful. Uh, also, if you want to be part of the webinar, uh, there's not a limit on that per se. Uh, technically, uh, there could be, but we really want people to be part of that um, for those who can't make it in the auditorium on October 25th. And there's a link also for the uh, signing up for that webinar uh, also. So really what the big announcement is here is that as things progress here in Washington, where I am right now, uh, we need to be able to uh, connect some dots for the public, but also the politicians who are looking into the UFO issue. And one of the things I always point out when I go into a, a meeting is that uh, I will reference the, 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 all the footage that the Pentagon has confirmed as being an actual physical object, uh, such as those UFO tapes, UAP tapes, taken off the coast of California, so people call it the Tic Tac, a UFO. And I point out that, look at that. There's no, there are infrared sensors from, from the jets and on board the ship. Indicates there's no jets, no rockets, no source of heat. So even if there was a small, say, nuclear, uh, uh, a power plant on board, that certainly would have a, a big heat signature. So what is it? How is it moving uh, straight up and down and against a very strong uh, headwind uh, at that altitude. Uh, how is it maneuvering? Well, I always point out, so strip away all the sort of 
jargon-laden and sensational alien stuff for a minute and just look at it objectively. It's an alternative energy and propulsion device, and it's ours. That is not an extraterrestrial vehicle. So one of the things that we have to educate the public on is that the good news is that the solutions we need to give ourselves an entirely new planet, you know, like the ET that, that was with Colonel Porso, and he said, what's in it for me? And the ET said, a new world, if you can take it. A new mm-hmm. world. If you, and that was 1956. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, here we are, uh, whatever it is, uh, 68, 67, whatever, 66 years later. And we're in a situation where we didn't take it. Uh, there were all kinds of covert interests that circled their wagons around Eisenhower and stopped this information from coming out. But even before that, in the era of J.P. Morgan and other big industrialists in the early 20th century, they had submarine uh, the work of Nikola Tesla. Because people need to understand, he had not only Wardenclyffe, but he had other devices, including a car that ran with no need to plug it in off the energy that it was pulling out from the environment. Now, Tesla referred to this as an infinite energy field. Years later, Professor Dirac, we called it the Dirac C. Uh, other people have then quantified it with a doctor, a Professor Casimir in the 50s as the zero-point energy field. Other people refer to it as the quantum flux field. What is clear is that there is a huge abundance of energy in the space, embedded in the space around us. And I don't mean outer space. I mean the space where you're sitting. Mm. And the amount of energy density is estimated that the amount of space inside a coffee cup, that much volume, has enough potential energy to boil off all the oceans on the planet. It's an enormous amount of energy. So people have been experimenting with very high frequency, uh, high voltage systems for since the late 1800s. Some people think even the very earliest days of electromagnetism, and there was some unusual phenomenon. And this phenomenon resulted in an excess gain of energy and power out than they had to put in, which is many people, so it's violating the laws of thermodynamics. It is not. The, the second law of thermodynamics, which says that, you know, it has to be, it, it, energy is conserved and it has to, it, what's in and out. Because what's not being calculated is this energy field uh, that is all around us, that has been quantified for over 60 years and almost 70, and, uh, and scientifically established to exist. Now, what the mainstream science doesn't think is possible is that you could actually utilize that energy that yes it exists but we don't know how to tap it well that's not true because the people who haven't made inventions over the last hundred years who have in many cases stumbled across this i always point out uh, empiricism is the mother of science meaning direct observation so many of the biggest breakthroughs in history scientifically have been almost like chance observation when somebody's fiddling with something or even an accident that happens now that's true in medicine it's true in physics and, and, and engineering also so i think that when you begin to look at the history of this you begin to also then have to ask the question where have they all gone i estimate there have been several thousand quote unquote free energy devices and i'm going to use that term 
not meaning that it's coming out of nowhere, but it's coming from this very vast, virtually infinite field of energy around us. And that those devices have all met uh, a dead end in terms of getting out to the public. Why? So what we're going to explore in this two-hour presentation and also uh, document and prove in the movie is that these technologies <coughs> these technologies have existed, but there are very powerful and corrupt interests, both private and industrial and governmental, that collude with each other to be sure these technologies don't get out and upset the apple card of the several hundred trillion dollar oil, gas, coal, uh, electric utility grid, uh, nuclear power, solar, wind, um, plug-in electric cars. All these are obsolete. I mean, I know everyone thinks they're being very virtuous uh, with their uh, solar and, and what have you. And I have the largest, and I'll just in full disclosure, I have at my farm in Virginia the largest legally allowed solar farm is allowed in the state by law. Bigger than that, we'd have to be a commercial operator. And uh, a few months ago, in the winter, we had about a foot of very heavy wet snow. Took down millions of trees in the area. We were without power for an entire week. So this system, it's an over $80,000 system, which, you know, I took from my retirement savings to put in. Um, because I, you know, was wanting to do something to help with this situation before we bring these technologies out. We have to do some bridge technologies. But everyone listening, listen very carefully. That system, which is the largest legally allowed system in the world, that costs that much money, would not heat the house for an hour. We could have water, and we'd have lights, and we could have hot water, and the refrigerator. That's it. Now, that is not us. The energy density just is not there. Meaning, energy density, the amount of power for that size and expense just isn't going to run planet Earth with 8 billion people. And it's too little, too late. So, all the solutions being proposed by the fossil fuel uh, devotees who just say, let's drill more and burn more, uh, that's destroying the biosphere and leaving half the world in poverty. And all the people who say, well, we have this solution, we just have to spend trillions on this, that's not going to work either because they're not calculating the fact that most of the pollution happening on Earth is not in Europe and America. It's in the developing world and in China and India. And those countries cannot afford a $120,000 or $80,000 Tesla car or an $80,000 solar panels in, in their meadow. So I think that we have to have some compassion, not only for the earth, but the people of the earth that aren't as lucky to and, and fortunate to live in the, the rich countries like Europe and America and Japan. Because the other big problem that's stalking humanity, and the reason why we never get into a peaceful situation, is this sort of zero-sum gain of wealth and the commodities that everyone's fighting over. Look what's going on with the energy crisis now. Uh, Europe is looking at a cutoff of gas from Russia that's going to leave their homes. In fact, this simple 30-second method reverses memory loss for good. It's so easy you can do it. Some factories freezing this winter. Um, now, this is ridiculous when it's 100 years on that we haven't needed those fossil fuels at all. 
So this has become a huge crisis for humanity. And I think that this is why we want to do this urgently uh, so that the public understands that if we can create a mass movement to develop these sources and release them open source, meaning no patent, no intellectual property secrets, no secret sauce, it's, it's released. Now, the very good news is that we know this is possible uh, to create these systems because, you know, Pat, you and I were out in the desert at a place uh, about a month ago. And we saw out there in a, in a little building uh, out in the desert uh, a device that was about the size of a large shoebox that had four magnesium alloy plates. Uh, the startup system was a tiny three-volt battery, which you could take out after it's going. And it had been sitting there for two years, putting out three kilowatts of power continuously. And we moved it up to five kilowatts of power. And we document it. You're going to see it in, in this film. Now, there are other devices also that we have had people visit and that we're working uh, on. The big problem is the inventors and the investors in those systems have made every predictable mistake that will guarantee they never get to the public. Mm-hmm. And, and they have tried to patent them. They kept it secret. A couple of these devices have software attached to them that if you tried to figure out how it works, it would destroy it. Mm-hmm. Now, this I call this this sort of delusional inventor syndrome, where the inventors think somehow they're going to outfox the secret government programs and also uh, be able to monetize it like you would a new software package. Mm-hmm. What they're not calculating is that they are a, a, a very small David up against a massive Goliath, uh, a, a massive uh, headwind that's going against them in the form of covert programs as well as corporate interests. The corporate interests are actually nastier than the, the government ones because those guys are up against something they don't realize is out there. So we're going to also expose how people's devices have been confiscated, uh, and we're going to use documents to prove it. We're going to show a patent office national security letter that one of these inventors got. We're going to show the Department of Defense Pentagon letter that was to the FBI demanding that they turn over the seized secret papers of Nikola Tesla that they grabbed the day he died. We have that document. We're going to show um, the testimony and the history of a number of these devices and how some of these people have been assassinated and killed. Uh, Others have had uh, large buyouts where a big corporate interest buys it and then we put it, we call it black shelving. We put it on a shelf and bury it. Take it, take it out of the possibility of the public having it. There are so many, there's at least a dozen strategies that have been used over the last hundred years to be sure these technologies never see the light of day. And they've been effective. Otherwise, you and I would be running our cars on an electric motor that would have a tiny little battery and a device that runs an electric motor and it would never have to be charged in. This is not some utopian fantasy. Um, the Floyd Sweet device, for example, he had something the size of a cigarette pack that could attach to an electric motor generator. 
for 300 horsepower engine in your car. Mm-hmm. And when he was moving with some folks at General Motors to get that out, he was killed. Mm-hmm. So I think people need to understand, uh, as Einstein correctly uh, is attributed to have said, that the, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. So what we are doing is documenting how these technologies uh, work uh, in lay terms, how they've come and gone, what the tricks are, what the landmines are out there that everyone steps on and gets blown up by. But then we're going to show what the strategy is. What strategy would actually frustrate these petro-Nazis and fascists that are destroying the planet? It's simple, but difficult at the same time. The concept is actually quite simple. It's doing an Aikido we flip their dark energy into disclosure and light. It's like the National Reconnaissance Office above their headquarters, and this office that runs all the secret satellites. It says, we own the night. And I tell people, we need to own the light and the light of disclosure. But to do it, you're going to have to have two things line up. Someone who can bring forward or fund a lab to create a preferably solid state device, which is what these are that we're going to be showing um, that, that exist right now on the planet, right this minute as I'm speaking. And put them out there with all the plans, no hold back intellectual property and no patent. So it is open source and anybody who is an engineer or a company that wants to reproduce it can do so and improve on it. Then that way it, in, it will be a very rapid, uh, you'll have generation two, three, four, five, ten within a couple of years. Mm-hmm. The other thing that we have to do, however, is to do that widely. What do I mean? It means that you need, we have to reach between one and two billion people. Why is that? Because if it's only known by a few thousand or a few hundred thousand aficionados of new energy, free energy, and UFOs, that's not going to change the dynamic, and it's not going to protect it. So the only way to do it is to have a strategy. That's why we're doing the lost century. If it can be as close to or better than unacknowledged, which has had 760 million people see it, which has led to all the things going on in Washington right now, this could be create a mass movement for people who are concerned about energy independence, the environment, world poverty, the future of our civilization on Earth. It could create the same kind of um, momentum that would lead to these tech. these technologies being disclosed open source. Um, Now, you have to combine both the open sourcing release of it, meaning no hold back on information, with all the information disclosed, not partially, uh, which many of these inventors will will release everything but the secret sauce. And then when people go to make it, it doesn't work. And I've spoken to many of them like that, many. And it's done deliberately because they're trying to protect uh, the monetization, the, the money that they see their device is worth. What they don't realize is that they would make a thousand times more money if they had it massively disclosed and open source because 
There are companies like GitHub, which is a software company, is a multi-billion dollar company. The other thing that we're going to point out is that the task is so huge, Pat. We have right now on the road one and a half billion, with a B, motor vehicles. But we have discovered there's a device that with 1% gasoline and 99% water will run every car in the world without it being retrofitted. No, it's at 99% water and 1% gasoline. That's what I meant to say. 99% water, 1% gasoline. It, it doesn't need the gasoline at all, except that the little bit of, of gas in it protects the uh, spark plugs and some of the other components in the engine from rusting. So, uh, but that's a, a transition that could happen immediately. Uh, and guess what the, the exhaust is? Oxygen and water vapor. And the water gets recycled back into the water that's needed. So this is a, a technology that we've also recently discovered. Unfortunately, it does have a patent on it that I'm sure is only a partial disclosure of it. Um, there's a, so what I'm saying is that if we can create the, the, the knowledge in the public mm-hmm. so that then builds where we can then either create an energy research lab which would be expensive, or have somebody come forward willing to cooperate with this strategy. And what I tell people who are concerned about that, if anyone's listening, in the first phase of this, we have to release it open source because it protects everybody working in the field because it's no longer a secret. Academic institutions and other companies will reproduce it. In other words, it will be proven instead of being a myth. Uh, which is what we do, the disclosure project on the UFO issue. But on top of that, on phase two, after you release it open source, phase two of it, this is when you get into developing specific products. So any one of these device, any one of these technologies, it could be applied to run a refrigerator, your house, a business, scaled up, scaled down, miniaturized. So your phone that always goes dead and you have, you have to find a place to plug it in or your computer goes dead, uh, anything that is now running on a battery would have a very small miniaturized version of one of these solid-state systems. You would never have to plug it in. So there are literally millions, and I'm not exaggerating, of applications. And those can all be, once you take a fundamental science, like a basic science like this, then those in at the second phase and the third phase, those can be monetized. You could even create patents around it because it doesn't matter. The underlying physics and science is out. So I think people have to understand that there's a real a lot of thought that's gone behind this strategy. And it's also a lot of still a hard knocks. You know, I personally have lost over a million dollars uh looking into these technologies and going down the path and trying to work with people who have these very poorly thought through business legal strategies that where each time they step into the legal trap, the financial trap, the patent trap. And, you know, even if they don't step into those, the devices get confiscated, their offices get bombed, they're killed, whatever it is. So I think that we have to find a way to do this because it's literally saving the planet and humanity from a very rapidly approaching potential extinction-level event 
where the biosphere, the oceans are so damaged that it won't be recoverable. Now, we know that these other civilizations out in space, the extraterrestrial civilizations, are very concerned about this. Many people who've had contact, they hear consistently this message that's a very specific environmental message and warning. They warn about two big things, the weapons of mass destruction and thermonuclear weapons and the rate of destruction of our biosphere, the air, the land, the species extinctions, the oceans, etc. So this is a consistent a message that's been coming through um, for over 60 years, 70 years um, that we can document. But they're not going to swoop down and invade the Earth and fix it for us. The expectation is we're the children of Earth. This is our planet. And we need to, through our own volition and collective positive good action, change this. Because if an outside force swoops in and Did you know that animals listen to dominating tactics because they're scared? If you want to have a mind, sand and lands and does it, is first of all going to be portrayed by the warmongers as an alien invasion. And secondly, it would be about as effective as us invading Afghanistan for 20 years and expecting us to dominate that culture and then we leave and it's been transformed into a Jeffersonian democracy. Mm. Well, it hasn't been transformed. I mean, it's, it's, it's back to warlords and terrorists. So, we're, you know, a, a civilization and a culture has to learn these lessons on their own. Uh, the, the, the interstellar civilizations are just wanting to be in place in case we really do blow the system. Or uh, worse, ex- escape out into space beyond our solar system using covert uh, energy systems and and technologies that could be a threat to other innocent planets because the uh, human situation is considered something very unstable, which it is if you look at it objectively. So this, the lost century and how to reclaim it, it, we have to document the lost century and the science and prove this is the case. But we then have to provide how do you reclaim it? And I call this a time snap where it, if we align properly with right action and, and with the right strategy, boom, 10, 20 years, we make up for 100 years of lost evolution. Uh, and if you look at the photographs of what happened during the lockdowns in COVID or some of the large blackouts in the Northeast United States some years ago, the earth, it, the air and the water clears up very quickly. The earth has the ability to heal herself, but we have to stop abusing the earth. And for that to happen, we're going to have to come up with an entirely new uh, paradigm for energy, which is frankly decentralized. And one of the big issues here, and this gets one of the core issues of of the secrecy. It's not just the hundreds of trillions of dollars that are invested in the power grid and utilities and oil and gas and coal and nuclear, et cetera. It's also that if every village in Africa or Asia or Latin America or Iowa could have its own source of energy, it means that power literally, you know, energy power that runs your house goes back to the people, but actual power 
political and social power devolves from this, these huge global elite corporate and governmental folks to the local level because they derive a lot of their power through the macroeconomic system, the global system that requires that everyone be dependent on this super, you know, these super tanker lines coming from the Middle East or other places or pipelines or uh, what have you. And it also would solve another big problem. And that's the fact that half the world's population doesn't even have indoor plumbing and 3 billion Listen to this number. Three billion people, according to The Economist, do not have any way to cook their food without cutting down old growth rainforests or shrubs in the desert. This is why we're losing so much of that. Most people think it's due to big lumber companies, um, timber. It isn't. Most of it is due to the subsistence existence of small farmers and people trying to cook, trying to make charcoal. That's three billion people. But there's another problem, and that is the social injustice and the instability globally of having a system. And, and one of the things I've pointed out for 30 years, the current energy system requires half the world being poverty. Let me repeat that. The system we have today of oil, gas, coal, nuclear, public utilities, transmission lines, gasoline cars absolutely requires half the world to be in poverty. Why? If those four, three to four billion people who don't have electricity and air conditioning and cars and a way even cook their food suddenly live the way you and I do, the price of a, of, of a barrel of oil would be $1,000. It'd be $20, $30, $40, 50 a gallon or more at the pump. Mm-hmm. Even middle-class people in America could not fill up their vehicles. Why? Because there's only so much supply, and if we were to allow the demand to meet where it should be, so other people live decently, you think the price of gas and oil and 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 your electric bill is high now? It'd go up orders of magnitude. So the system is actually very cruel that it requires the poverty of half the denizens, the citizens of Earth. So this is something we very much need to think about also from a human compassion point of view. Any way you look at it, it needs to be done. Now, what's the downside? There will be economic uh, and uh, employment displacement for those who work in those energy sectors. But that can be accounted for because it's not going to happen overnight. This is not like an app that you download in 10 seconds. This is a heavy industry. And it will take 15 to 20 years just to convert the two and a half billion homes on the planet to this kind of system, the one and a half billion motor vehicles. Think about the fact that at peak production, we create 100 million cars a year globally. If at that pace of maximum production, Currently, it would take 15 years for for them to be replaced all these gas and diesel trucks and cars. So it's going to be over a period of time. 
But from everything I'm hearing from folks in Homeland Security and, and, and intelligence folks, the word has gone up, the balloon's gone up, that we probably don't have 10 years before we reach a tipping point, environmentally, uh, geophysical stability, and else other problems. So we need to hurry up. <laughs> so uh, the other thing that this film is going to do, and I can't be too specific about it, but there are people in the U.S. government at the very highest level of, of um, interest who are trying to get to the bottom of the UFO issue who want a large expose on this issue, as well as perhaps next year, if, if we have time to do it, another uh, disclosure project press conference so that the people who are in governments around the world can be pointed to this because now they're ready to hear it again. Um, so that's another reason why this film, we're trying to get it finished so that it can come out in the spring of 2023. But that's a very big undertaking, and we need your help. We need you to make contributions. If you know people who have these devices, write to our website, SiriusDisclosure.com, S-I-R-I-U-S Disclosure.com, because we would like to find one inventor. And we, we have a number of very high net worth people that if we found someone willing to, the inventor and the investors to be compensated and in exchange for us being able to release it open source without any secrets. Um, we have not found that device yet. The ones we have found are all encumbered with frankly, lame brain, foolish strategies that are the same strategies I've seen for 32 years. I mean, remember I, I was dealing with Bruce De Palma with the end machine that became the Tawari system uh, back in 1991. And I have seen dozens and dozens of these devices and the people who hold them make exactly the same scripted mistakes one after another because there's no learning curve because they don't know each other. So what we want to also do with this film in two hours, it's a lot to do, is to explain why people working on these technologies need to consider the big missing element they never think of. Everyone thinks if you have like one group I knew had a hundred million dollars in an operational system and they vanished. They're gone. This has happened over and over and over. So you have all the money in the world and all the, uh, the best solid state technology that's have something that would sit on your coffee table and run your house forever without any electric bill and no pollution. Mm. It's not going to get out if you have the wrong strategy to get it out. Mm -hmm. And if you are, and I think this is a big problem. Everyone underestimates the adversary here. The Petro-Nazis, these are the people who run the planet. These are the people who have endless wealth. These are the people who are not afraid to kill people or set them up for false arrest or flat out have a black bag operation go in and sabotage the lab or bomb it or seize it. So we have to be realistic about You've got to get out of this Pollyanna mindset. I think it's this Pollyanna naivete that, well, I have a better mousetrap. The world's going to be the path to my door. In reality, Murder Incorporated is going to be the path to your door. And this is the thing that none of these inventors and engineers consider. So that is something we have to educate the engineering and scientific community. This is not like just discovering another drug or another uh, software application or another. This is the fundamental um, system uh, that runs the whole planet is the petrodollar 
oil, gas, coal, electric grid, all of that. It is the baseline of the entire modern civilization that will have to be replaced. But anyone making a challenge to those vested cartels and interests, you're walking into the mother of all buzzsaws. You're going to get chopped to pieces if you don't do it right. And there is a way to do it. Now, this has taken me 32 years, frankly, through the school of hard knocks in observation uh, and direct hands-on experience to make the statements I'm making here today. But the very good news is there are at least four of them that we have discovered in the last few months that we're going to feature in this documentary that are currently operational on the planet. And there are many others we'll show going back 100 years that have existed. And then finally, one of the most exciting things about this film, I think, and the presentation on October 25th, those of you who can be there by the webinar will see this or in person, is we want to be able to show what the world looks like Mm -hmm. 20 years from now, 50 years from now, 100 years from now, 1,000 years from now. And we're actually investing in some motion graphics and uh, illustrations that would show what is it? What does the city look like in the future? What does transportation look like? And what is the earth itself in terms of the purity of the air and water? What about places that are inhospitable? Well, you could have a very large dome or structure because the energy to heat and cool it and keep it at an optimal temperature would be free once you have the system in. Right. And you could also get water from the air. Mm-hmm. Because you can uh, you can dehumidify and get water. There, you can buy those now, but they take a lot of electricity. But the, if the electricity is coming from this infinite energy field, guess what? Even the desert shall bloom. It's like the saying in the right. Bible. A very strange day is coming to America. In short, a massive and surprising new transition could soon determine the next group. In the Bible. Um, and you could have a productive agriculture, organic, at the North Pole, in the Sahara Desert, or anywhere. Uh-huh. Or in where it's winter, doesn't matter if it's winter. But if you can control the temperature over the area where you're doing product of, uh, you know, growing of substances and uh, of plants and wheat and whatever it is. So that is a game changer for micro farming where people could have in their area a robotically controlled uh, with the digital technologies we have now place where the foodstuffs that are needed locally are grown locally, but at very, very low cost. Now let's look at manufacturing. Most of the energy that goes into everything you buy is the energy. Dig it up out of the ground, ship it to a place to be manufactured, you the processing of it, shipping the manufactured process, product. But if all this begins to be able to do like 3D printing, but where you could have manufacturing using these high-tech systems, so many things, instead of being made you know, 10,000 miles away and then shipped over to uh, Washington or California, it would be done locally. So there'd be a revolution in manufacturing, which would also give enormous numbers of jobs. So I estimate that for every job loss in the current energy sector, there'd be 10 to 20 high-tech new jobs and abundance. Now, 
in between, you're going to have to have some programs to retrain those folks and also to financially assist them. But it's worth it to save the planet. I mean, look, the United States spent $10 trillion with the lockdown costs for, for COVID. So when we need to do something like this, we can do it. And so we could be compassionate about the people who are, you know, work on oil rigs or work at the public utility or linesmen for the public utility. But again, all that's going to change over a, about a 15, 20 year period that you don't snap your fingers and suddenly get rid of everything that exists. that's running the entire planet. So there's time. There's time to phase that in. But because we've squandered this lost century, we don't have time to waste. Uh, we don't have another century. I will guarantee you that. <laughs> we might have 20 years. And so we're now at the point uh, where, and this is an inconvenient truth. <laughs> I say that rather uh, smiling because back when uh, Bill Clinton and Al Gore were president and vice president, uh, one of the close friends of the vice president, Al Gore, who famously did that movie, An Inconvenient Truth, and presents himself as an avid environmentalist. Uh, I met with his science advisor, Dr. Kohlenberger, and put on a silver platter, literally, literally the solution to the environmental problem, all this information, and patents and, and details about how a number of them work. Uh-huh. Turned their back on it. Too dangerous. Right. Too many powerful vested interests and lobbyists and too many people funding the politicians right. who are in those sectors of the economy. And so, you know, I really am quite aggravated with people who like describing the problem but turn their back on the solution. I think the people of the United States but around the world need to hold their uh, uh, governments accountable. Mm-hmm. And this is why this film also should be put in front of every elected official and say, all right, we're now spending trillions of dollars on solutions that aren't going to work, whether it's cap and trade, solar, wind. You know, with all the work we've done since the 70s on solar and wind, it's 12% of the electricity now, 12%. And that's in a rich country like America. You go to other countries, it's virtually infinitesimally zero. Uh, and let's not forget the entire European Union and United States is only about 10% of the global population. So if you're looking at it globally, let's face it, the air and the water and the oceans are all one globe. It's not like just because there's a a geopolitical boundary between Finland and Russia that if something's going on in Russia into the air, it's not going to affect the rest of the world. I mean, we have to look, you know, go look at the pictures of the Earth from space. There aren't any walls between these countries. So if other developing countries are slashing and burning rainforests and, and there are hundreds of new coal-fired power plants being built in the developing world without scrubbers like we have in the United States and Europe, they're very dirty. And I think that the other thing that people don't realize is that the people who don't believe in global warming, fine, but 8.6 million people a year die from the particulate matter, the air pollution from oil and coal and gas. And that's 8.6 million per year. That is more people than died in the Holocaust and all of World War II every single year. Now, these are facts. You can look them up. 
And so to fix the problem, it's I liken this to a global Marshall Plan <laughs> where, you know, after World War II, the Marshall Plan was where we rebuilt Europe. Um, I mean, it was just a little small part of Europe, which is a very small part of the world. <laughs> and now we're talking the entire planet being retrofitted, re- renovated in their entire energy system. And this is why another point I make to these inventors is that the task is so huge that if you had hundreds of companies the size of Amazon or Apple or Google or Tesla Motors, it really would scarcely be enough uh, because it's heavy industry. It's not just pressing, clacking. Everyone thinks we're making such progress because we can clack, clack on our phones and do something. But the energy running this phone is coming from a coal-fired power plant over here, right, like in the 1800s. So you can go back 130 years, 140 years, and you will see that whether it's the Mercedes making the first internal, internal combustion engine for a car, and look at your car out here. It's fancier. It's more refined. It has computers on it. But the basic energy that's running the car hasn't changed since 1888. This is 2022. So we're talking way more than a century, almost one and a half centuries. Uh, So I think that the other thing is that we have to be able to say collectively as a people, the people who have been the industrialists. And the first thing I tell new clients worried about memory loss as they age, throw your popcorn in the trash. And who were at the roots of industrial fascism in the late 1800s and early to mid 20th century, you've had 150 years to ruin the planet. Now it's time for the people to fix it. And we're not going to be intimidated. And in fact, we're going to be smart about it. Because now, with imagine if we have a laboratory with the, one of these devices being studied and everything about it's released in real time, blockchain or some system where it can't be taken down. And at each refinement, it just keeps getting released to the public massively. But the problem is, how do you make sure that it gets out massively? This is where we another appeal I'm making today. If you or someone you know is a influencer or a uh, social media uh, has a large number of followers or celebrity, this is when we need them to step in. Why? Because the Washington Post, the New York Times, Fox News, CNN, uh, the BBC, they will not cover this. Why? Because they are vertically and horizontally integrated into these financial interests. So we're going to have to find creative ways to do it. The big Internet companies will shadow ban. So like when we put out something like the Cosmic Hoax, you can put that in. It doesn't even show up on the algorithm because it's been shadow banned and put down out of the search, rhythm, search algorithms. Now, the only way around that is to have people who have enough direct followers. I mean, I have some million or so, but there are ones that have 100 million or 150 million. All of those need to help us get the film out. We also need them to help us raise the money for the film by dropping a link, which you can drop the link this here that you'll see underneath this interview. And then we also need them when we get one of these things working. Imagine if you had 20 of 20 A-list celebrities and influencers who want to see the environment saved, running their house and driving their car with one of these, and they're dropping 
every day Instagram and uh, Twitter and Facebook images and information. You can't put that genie back in the bottle. So that's why we need more and more people like that coming forward. We have a number already, but we need dozens who will actually do that because that is how you do a workaround around the embargo of this information uh, that the mainstream media and even the big tech companies that pretend to be so enlightened. You know, it's just like the same they say about Hollywood. Um, they all act like hippies, but behave like Nazis. Uh, you know, they all pretend to be hippies, but they behave like Nazis. Um, you know, this sort of like hypocrisy. Um, so I think that we're going to have to also find more and more people willing to, to do that. Right. You know, the one, the devices that we know about right now, uh, if, the, if the inventor group would listen, they would let us run with it uh, open source and also the disclosure of it, not only through this documentary and the press conference, but also with celebrities. I mean, there are so many celebrities like uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. His whole life is dedicated now to the environment. I am quite sure he would be happy to have a car running on a free energy device and to have his house running on one of these. I, I'm certain of it. I know people who know him. So I don't have that. But I'm there, there are, I'm sure, hundreds of people like that. And in the aggregate, they reached a couple of billion people. So that strategy is very important. It's not for the salacious or fame or whatever per se. It's because they can actually be a multiplier effect in getting this knowledge and information out when we're facing a corrupt media and a corrupt government and corrupt large corporate structures. So that's another part of the strategy, and we need help with that, too. I'm sure there are people listening who will say, oh, I know so-and-so. I just heard from a wonderful man the other day who was the lead singer for Limp Biscuit, and, and he was like, he wants to really do this. Um, uh, Jamie Foxx came up to me when I was in L.A. last time, just loving what we were working on. I think we have to find people who can help be a multiplier of our voices, who have that kind because that's that you have a lot of power and responsibility when you can reach that many people. So that's one thing I'd ask people to do. So we need your help. If you're an inventor or know an inventor that have one of these systems, get hold of us immediately. But we're going to close production at by the end of the year. This is already mid-October. Um, if you are no you if you or someone you know is an influencer with half a million or more followers that can help us get the word out. Please contact us. Um, if you uh, have can help us fund the crowdfunding for the film, I think uh, we just announced it a couple days ago. I think we're at 1%, but we want to get to 100. Uh, please make a contribution, even if it's $5 or $10 or $1,000. doesn't matter. Whatever you can do, please help us do it. Because one of the reasons we crowdfund these, just to be clear, is that we do not want an investor or a corporate media corporation editing out the truth. That's right. why we did serious, unacknowledged, and close encounters of the fifth kind and the cosmic codes through crowdfunding. Um, and we want to do it that way because it's, it maintains the purity of the message and the narrative, and it doesn't get edited by uh, corrupt influences, which I know this sounds rather cynical, but I view the money people as always easily corrupted and a hundred percent of what we raise goes into the quality of the production and, and getting the word out about 100 percent 
So uh, that's and because we don't have an office or staff. I mean, so it's all going to the production and the research and all of that. So, you know, it's not like a lot of these things you, you get money to and 90 percent of it goes to administrative CEOs that make two million a year. That's not what's going on here, folks. Um, you know, we need people who will actually help us uh, and we need it fairly quickly because this is going to be a very expensive production. Um, it is already. I mean, we're all, already a couple hundred thousand dollars in, um, but no revenue, just basically taking that as savings. But that's what we need you to help with as soon as possible. All those things I've mentioned. And uh, I hope I'll see all of you at the uh, event on October 25th in Santa Monica, uh, the broad theater there. And uh, there's still a, probably a couple of seats if you're a influencer or celebrity VIP, you can contact us. Um, but the theater, unfortunately, the, the sales we had to close because it's, it's pretty much booked. Right. So that's, that's the breaking news, folks. Good news. These technologies are real. The earth can be made new again and humanity can go forward, uh, for thousands of years without pollution or poverty. And I think within our, even my lifetime, and I'm 67, I think there's a very good chance we could see the world that was offered to Colonel Corso when the ET said a new world, if you can take it, I, I actually think this is a hundred percent doable. If we all pull together. Yeah. We, but we, there's no time to uh, lose. No, there's no time to lose. I mean, we, we've run the clock as long as we can. Yeah. Well, thank you guys. I appreciate thank it. You, Dr. Greer. Thanks thank Pat. You for information. You're welcome. Yeah. We'll see you soon. Okay. Thank okay. you. Bye-bye. We squeezed it in with a few extra minutes here, so we're going to bid you uh, good night, everyone, and see you tomorrow, or actually see you this afternoon, <laughs> and uh, good job, Dr. Greer. And uh, Rainbird, uh, here you got this talking stick. You get the last word here. Pass it with us. What's the quaddles? Right there at the top with all the fairy feathers and angels and fairies and rainbows. Here it comes. Rainbird? Hello? Rainbird? Okay, everyone. We'll see everybody in your dreams. I think Rainbird's dreamy. Uh, and namaste. We love everyone. Aloha.